This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to the Chelsea Fancast, fuelled by Guinness, powered by Celery. The show that sees Chelsea in fourth place, one point behind fated Spurs, and is confused about how badly we must have been playing. Uh, The Geordies came to Toon on Saturday, but it appeared that their plans for a negative smash-and-grab came tumbling down after only nine minutes, when Pedro raced on to a pinpoint Louise through ball to expertly lob it over the keeper for 1-0. The expected dam bursting did not happen. Instead, Chelsea seemed to go to sleep and Newcastle became galvanised. It was no surprise to see them equalised through a Kieran Clark header from a corner five minutes before half-time. Same old, same old, we all thought, until a brilliant Williams special sealed the win and a better second-half performance. And yet, yes, a win and three points, but it all felt slightly unsatisfying. Newcastle is a poor side who should have been brushed aside rather than squeaking past. Hazard, playing in the false nine, seems to jar with us as well as him. We have no decent strikers. When the pressing wasn't going to a Newcastle player or in to touch, it was going sideways and backwards, mainly from Jorginho, and so very slowly. Just as well we're in fourth place, six points above Arsenal and United and one point behind Spurs in third, thanks to the former and latter conveniently losing this weekend, Anyone would have thought we're battling relegation. The Chelsea fancast number 446, false logic. So there you go. Now, I've got uh, two lovely people who are never false with their logic. Uh, Mr. Jonathan Kidd. Occasionally very bad with my logic, but never false. At least I, I'm, I mean it, even if it's rubbish. Yes. But yes, lovely to be on the show. As always, mm. with uh, with an excellent guest in Dan. So, Indeed. Uh, terrific. I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, we've got the lovely Dan Silvers. In fact, it's a, it's a reprise of last week, isn't it, Dan? It is. It's back to back. So it's mm. really good. No, it's good to be on. Yeah, I'm, a, I'm a, like a false knight. It's a false logic. Indeed, indeed. Well, I think the interesting thing about false logic, it doesn't just apply to what I'm talking about with uh, young Eden Hazard. I think there's a lot of false logic going on. 
about this kind of... There seems to be this... Dis, we'll get into this later, obviously, but there seems to be this disconnect uh, between, you know, everybody feeling like it's shit and not playing like we want them to play, and yet, actually, the reality is we're probably about where we all expected if we'd have said so at the beginning of the season. Anyway, more of that later, obviously. Uh, but before that, on the show tonight, we're going to ask, is Hazard, uh, is, is playing Hazard, in fact, in the false nine, really false logic? And is Sarri making some sort of a statement to the club by doing so? Uh, in part two, uh, we marvel at the marvellous N'Golo Kante, who is increasingly adapting to his new role. Uh, the other nine or ten players would do well to follow his example. Uh, what's happened to Jorginho, whose early season form seems to have deserted him? And thanks to our mate Stuart Harrington, we're going to discuss whether we go to football to see Chelsea win or to be entertained. Myself, I don't think it's that binary. We get to, I think this country's had a few problems with binary polls recently, but there we go. We will discuss that later. Anyway, um, we'll, uh, we'll also have a, a quick recap of the Carabao Cup semi-final with Spoys. Uh, and have a look at you know ahead to what we might think might happen uh, in, a, in a couple of weeks' time. Uh, in part three, uh, this is this is going to be great. Actually, you'll like this. In part three, we announced the first winner of the Hyundai Extra Mile competition. If you remember, uh, back in November, we launched the competition where where basically people kind of write in and share uh, the the lengths to which they've gone to follow Chelsea. Well, the UK supporters because it's only open to UK supporters, but. Uh, we've got our first winner, and it is Adam Valchek, and or Valky to his mates. Uh, and I actually spoke to him yesterday and recorded an interview talking about his experiencing experiences following Chelsea since the 1980s. It's well worth a listen. And I can see, I can see that he's in here amongst you lot on Mixler tonight. So say hello to him. He's a top bloke. Uh, and uh, of course, massive thanks to Hyundai for the extra mile competition, uh, which gives UK supporters a chance to win match tickets and merch, as I said. Uh, and to enter, just share how you've gone the extra mile following Chelsea on their blog page, the link of which can be found on our Twitter and Facebook posts or pages uh, that went out today. So check those out and you'll find the link. Just go and do it. If you're in the UK and you want to win some match tickets, great place to do it. Uh, And finally, 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 as ever, Jonathan has some emails to read out and I wrap up with the usual parish notices. Now, uh, do not forget that you can listen to the show live every Monday at uh, 7 o'clock of the hour by going to Mixler, which is mixlr.com forward slash Chelsea hyphen fancast, where you can join in the chat by posting on the live chat page. And uh, there are many, many of you doing that at the moment. And you can also, of course, as ever, tweet us at Chelsea fancast uh, during the show or whenever you like. Tell us what you think about the games and anything else on Chelsea. And as I said about Mixler, there are loads of you in here. You, you all had me guessing for a while. We were not quite it. There were not many of you around and now all of a sudden you've all turned up. I love that. It's a bit like the football, really. It's like me. I've got a whole load of people in my row in gate 17. And uh, I kind of literally kind of walk to my seat just as the whistle's about to go. And they all kind of tut tut. And they say, have you been in the pub again? You're always walking in just as it's... I said, I do, but that's how I roll, you know. So clearly the Mixler people are doing the same. Anyway, after a little uh, interlude, we will be back.
just had a talking of Mixler. I've just had a, a message from Valky who says this is his first time in here. Well, better late than never, mate. I can say, but it's lovely to have you there. Right. I, I mean, this is kind of the bit where I want to drill into the first part of the false logic thing, really, which you know everybody's obviously assuming you know is is applying to to Hazard playing the false nine role. I think the first question really is 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 Hazard is Hazard being wasted in this false nine role? I mean. I thought it was... Well, I'll get on to the bit first. Let's just talk about that. Uh, uh, Jonathan, I'm going to give you first dibs on this, as always. Do you think he's being wasted in the first nine role? Well, I know he likes playing on the wing, doesn't he? But um, as long as the ball isn't played up in the air to him, which it was a couple of times, he's a, you know, he has a go, doesn't he? He always climbs high for the ball. But uh, I just don't think we're playing very well with him. I don't think he's wasted there. I thought... Um, uh, I think the few times that he's uh, been successful in, I think, did he play in that um, position against Watford? Oh, man, um, I can't remember. That can't remember. like years ago now to me. Years ago, but I think when he's good, I think he did. I think he's, he's in a, if, if we're pressing well enough, we didn't seem to on, um, on Saturday just press to play the Sarri way particularly. And as you say, the ball went very slowly. Uh, and I think it, 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 the, the, the purity of of Cerismo is having somebody like you know the equivalent for Napoli was having Mertens there, who's just very quick, um, and you wonder whether in fact it would be better to have a very quick centre forward playing there and then keep Hazard in the uh, in the wing role to to provide for the for the forward. But um, uh, it should work with him. I just think the rest of the team needs to be on the case, which they haven't been. It just seems everything seems to slow down recently. Other, of course, than when we, we let's, you know, we'll talk about the Spurs game in a minute. We were fabulous against Spurs just without the end product. So we seem to be lurching from you know, one excellent performance to uh, to a, a non-excellent performance to to something tippy-tappy. Whereas he, he, he who we played um, uh, in the Spurs game, it was, it was Giroud played up front. No, he came on, didn't he, Giroud? He played Maratta. Uh, um, uh, I've got to come remember what he did in the Spurs game. It's only the other day. Who, who, who did Hazard play the nine in the in the in the Spurs game? I can't remember. I think he did. Yeah, cause I think Maratta had a hamstring injury. Yeah, right, Maratta. Well, yeah, in fact, Maratta was fatigued, and it wasn't even Maratta. You no, know, he made a decision not to play him, didn't he? he? Said he had a hamstring injury, and then then Surrey was was uh, questioned and said, no, no, he just wanted to play that way. And I thought he played terrifically against Spurs in that position. So it almost seems the team needs to be up to the up to the uh, 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 up to speed. To make it work. Um, so uh, uh, the answer to the question, Chish, is I would say he isn't wasted in that role as long as the rest is the team work with him. There are occasions, like on Saturday, he looked he looked just as if he wasn't involved because the ball was being given away so much. Mm. It was a, it, it needs to be a team a All team right. process. So, so basically, me. just to, to to clarify that, you're saying he's not wasted because basically the issue is with the team not really adapting to it. So I'll I'll bear that one in mind before yeah. I, before I kick off. Um, I mean, the the interesting thing is, Dan, is that, uh, yeah, I've just kind of like basically telegraphed how I feel about it, haven't I really? But anyway, I thought it was really interesting, Dan, that um, that Sarri himself, when questioned about this, uh, seemed to be fairly ambivalent about it. So he, he said that, uh, you know, Hazard naturally looks for the ball. And we all know, we all know that that's what Hazard likes. Hazard likes to have the ball. You know, that's what he likes to do. And Sarri was saying that, you know, because he looks for the ball, he does that rather than running into and attacking uh, the space in the, pen- the penalty area in the box. 
And I think as a result of that, he tends to play too deep as he goes looking for the ball. In which case, I don't think he's a number nine. But we know that because he's a wide player. So I thought that was really remarkable yeah. that Sarri kind of identified the real reason why I don't think he, this whole false nine thing works and why he is wasted there. And and yet the other thing that occurs to me, I'm, I'm thinking he also said that he, he, he you know, Morata apparently was fit. He wasn't injured at all. Uh, so basically he deliberately didn't pick Giroud or Morata. Uh, and I wondered if by playing Hazard in the false nine, he's trying to make a statement to the board, as these Italians are prone to do, to say, I'm having to play Hazard, our best player, out of position in a false number nine because we don't have any strikers. So, so what do you think about all of that? I think the, the board issue, unless the board are completely stupid, they know we need a striker. I mean, they've, they've seen you know, Morata's struggles over 18 months. They've seen Giroud, obviously, the stopgap. So let's, you know, we, we need a striker. We're crying out for a striker. And for me, Hazard is so wasted up front he gets a, you know back to ball he's always got someone tightly on him if they're not you know going through the back of him they're right on his ass he's got no room to move you look at that goal he got up at Anfield in the cup one two in midfield coming deep cutting in and hitting an absolute beautiful goal he he has to play out wide he's got to be a wide player just think some of his talent who can pick the ball up deep and run at players rather than getting back to goal which he has to do he's, he's far more effective running directly at players rather than turning because if, you, you know, if you're tightly marked, you've got very little space to turn. Then you see he'll give it to Pedro, he'll give it to Jorginho, and then he'll make space and he won't get the ball. I just the whole, I was watching it on TV on um, Saturday because I was at my nephew's birthday. And just it was so slow. A couple of times I was watching it, you see like Alonso making a run down the wing and it, it would go in field. It, just, it was just so pedestrian. I mean, you know, it was well, I so... I can't answer my question there, Dan, my, my statement, which is that if the team is slow, it doesn't work. If, if, it's, if it's great pace, which it's supposed to be, he's then coming from almost a midfield position and attacking. And no, he's but more he's, opportunity. No, but he's, he's not, he's, he's not he's then waiting his back to the ball. ball. No, but he's he, he, his... isn't. he shouldn't be. He should be part of the attack. And I think because it's so slow, his back is to the ball because Jorginho played so dreadfully. Whereas it wasn't the case in the Spurs game. He was much more involved because he was coming from a from a, a position of the three of them attacking. Yeah, exactly. Really, but he was more really facing depends. the facing the facing the attack while having his back to the ball. And exactly, exactly. That's my point. Yeah, because I think he just he's, he's too good to play. He's not he's not a number nine. He doesn't have a height. He said he got the strength, but not the height. I just think it was it was painful. It was so easy to play against because you, you set up four five one, and you know your you backs you know two backs of four whatever. I mean, you can't break through it. It's too, it's too easy. We haven't got anyone from midfield taking shots. You know, it's nowhere scoring goals. When was the last time we shot through the edge of the box on target? I'm, I'm struggling to remember. Uh, William, I, mean, I think Chichi is on, making William on Saturday, Barry Dan. Is making a... yeah, that was inside the box, wasn't it? No, I think no, it was, was outside. outside. No. But he is making a oh. statement to the board, Chich. You think he by, is? By not playing the other two. Yeah. Well, no, but... In, in, inadvertently, inadvertently, he is, isn't he? He's saying, "Look, it will work better like this, but these other two aren't, aren't don't don't work in this setup." So it's kind of half and half, really. Our biggest issue is we're very, we've got no goals in our team at all. Nothing in midfield, nothing really up front. That's that's our biggest problem. How many? I don't think we created even that many chances against Newcastle. Mm. You, know, you know, the keeper had to make an outstanding save. You know, you want. You know, if we won a game two 0 but the keeper made twenty saves, I don't mind. But we're not even we're not even doing that. Mm. We just we seem to be relying just on this chip over the top, which we're doing expertly. But it yeah, shouldn't be the case all Pe- the time. Pe- Pe- Pedro is a great player for us. I think that's what's his sixth or seventh league goal. He's such an intelligent player, 
and you know it, it's kind of quasi petrol isn't it with these you know three three small men up because peps always said how, how good sarri was in terms of um his his napoli team we just we just no one's making a run to take the defenders out we're literally going down these channels the whole time there's there's nowhere to go you've got full back center back center back full back defense midfield defense midfield and no one's making runs to take take players away. Only when Pedro gets in behind do we look decent. And we only did that and, once. And yet again, although we'll, or twice we'll, in the we'll, we'll talk about this later a bit, but I mean, again, that that came from a, a 30, 40 yard, you know, through ball from Louise, you know, which turned defence into attack immediately. So it had <laughs> it had the pace. Listen, um, the other thing I would say about this, and and I know there's a lot that we feel we can complain about. Dan, you're being very scratchy with your mic, by the way, just to let you know. Um, Oh, I'm trying to keep very still. I know. Sorry. It's because you've got a beard, mate. And I think you've got one of those ear mics. I mean, <laughs> you know, anyway, whatever. Just be aware. Um, well, Sari said okay. Sari said this, and I think to a degree this is a fair point. There was a, there was a time earlier on, or you know, after we got ripped apart by Spurs, really, when we started to look very, very vulnerable defensively, and there was a sense that people had worked us out. And he mentioned one thing about Hazard playing in the nine, was that we were better defensively. And I was thinking, what are you talking about? And then it kind of dawned on me. I know what he means. There's more balance. And I, say, I, I suspect that might be because, you know, Hazard's not out wide and therefore not tracking back. So maybe that's it. I don't know. But there, there, I think there is some logic, given that we got, our, you know, got a new arsehole ripped by us by Spurs and we were looking very shaky, that a good manager will then think, OK, we've got a problem there. Let's try and shore up the defence a bit. And the reality is, I think we've looked a lot more solid in defence recently and we're leaking a lot, a lot less goals. So I think this is, this is really tapping into the whole point that, you know, uh, it's going to take time. You know, it's going to take time and he hasn't got the right players. So... Uh, you know, I I just think we've just lost lost our ability to be patient. But that more of that later. The the thing I really wanted to talk about was, you know, we know Hazard doesn't like to play in the nine. We know he's he's doing it for the team. You know, he's taking one for the team. But it does worry me uh, because we know that Hazard really only cares about enjoying football. That that's why he he's kind of weird in a sense. You know, I don't think he really plays for the money. I think he likes to win trophies, but I think essentially he likes to be the big fish in a small pond and and play for the enjoyment of it. And I just wonder uh, if playing out of position and a position he we know he doesn't like, you know, added together with the fact that every flaming game he gets kicked to pieces and gets no protection is going to hasten his departure, Jonathan. Well, I certainly thought so in the first half. I was watching it, I was just thinking... God, what's he? What must he be thinking about what's going on with uh, with Giorgino having a, a complete uh, uh, complete nightmare? And as Sarri said, there was nobody that, that he could sub him for. So I'm slightly bemused as to why they let uh, Fabregas go so quickly. Um, so uh, yeah, I, I was I was thinking exactly that. But the the problem is he needs to be clued in to the whole process of improvement, doesn't he? Otherwise. Um, he'll he'll just say, well, uh, we're going to finish third, and we don't if we're not, or even fifth, third to fifth. If we don't qualify for the Champions League, he'll definitely be out of the door. Um, but um, I think so. I think the next few few weeks are really important because if we start going down to fifth or sixth, I think he'll be on his bike. But um, but it's down to the team. The team seem to produce performances against the better teams yeah. that are very different from against the lowly ones. 
So uh, it's like the, it's like the um, 90s again, again, it's like the late 90s again. We said this a few <laughs> weeks ago, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. You know, we turn up for we the big have, matches, we but we're rubbish against the small teams. It's odd, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. But at least we're beating them, though. Well, we didn't. We didn't beat Leicester. I mean, if we'd beaten Leicester, we'd be above Spurs. And mm. where would be all the, the media plaudits? We, were, we, we weren't mentioned the other day as people. Um, there was some program I was watching which is saying uh, the wonderful challenge of, of uh, Spurs, Liverpool and Man City to make this into a title race this year. And you think, hang on a second, why have you ignored Chelsea again? It's because we're not, we're just not trendy enough. You know, sycophants. A lot of them. Yeah, yeah. Hey ho. Um, I mean, what I would say actually is that Hazard did. I mean, he did get some clattering again, mate. I mean, there was. A, I mean, I know I was a long way away from it, <laughs> and I'm right at the other end. But I kind of, I kind of saw it from from behind, as it were, and it looked like Atsu just absolutely cleaned. Has it out, and that prick of a referee with his pink shirt totally ignored it. I couldn't believe it. I mean, you were close to it than me, mate. I mean, it was. You, do you know the one I mean? He didn't give a foul. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was early on. It, it was. There was an early. There was an early on foul as well. Yeah. The referee didn't give and said made some gesture that the ball was played. That's right. Think, he said, yeah, he, said he, he won the ball, through, didn't he? He through. said he won the ball. That's right. That's yeah. right. He did. He did. He did. But there, it, it's those occasions when you just think. Um, they're not working as a team. And he's a new ref, isn't he, this one? You think, well, you're just like all the others. You haven't, uh, you haven't um, been analysing anything. Um, you haven't noticed that he's the most fouled player in the league. And, uh, and you're stifling his ability to beat people. And it, it, it encourages teams, I'm sure, that if um, they get away with heavy-handedness, uh, uh, they'll just carry on doing it. Whereas if, as a referee, you stamp down on it early on and say, I know what you're doing, then, then there's that that aspect of doubt in their minds, you know. And then they pay no attention once again to the serial fouling aspect of it. It's um, that and the gamesmanship is just something that the referees seem to be incapable of dealing with at the moment. And it's um, it's sad and uh, stupid ultimately. Yeah, I agree with all of that. You know, on, a, on an interesting point, actually, you, you know that Hazard's now got ten assists and ten goals in this season, and in terms of Somebody who both gets assists and goals. The only person in European football who be- who betters that is Messi, who I think has sixteen goals and ten assists, yeah. or the other way around. So you know he's he's not doing bad, really, is he? Well, he, considering that he he doesn't hasn't for me looked as if he's been completely um, as good as he was earlier in the season. I think he's doing wonderfully, except of course for the goal, Williams' goal, when suddenly there was a sublime piece of skill from Hazard to control the ball. Yeah. And, and set William up. It was just that was it's that kind of stuff with Hazard. You just go, God, you're a great player, aren't you? That you, was just uh, sublime, supreme stuff. Brilliant. You would indeed. Right, we're going to disappear for a minute or two, uh, but uh, in part two, we're going to marvel at the marvelous Ngolo Kante, who is increasingly adapting to his new role. I think. And uh, we're going to ask, what's happened to Jorginho, whose early season form seems to have deserted him? And thanks to our mate Stuart Harrington, we'll discuss whether we go to football to see Chelsea win or be entertained. Uh, There is no option C, both, but there should be, perhaps. Oh, and uh, we'll have a quick recap of the Caribou Cup semi-final with Spurs. We'll see you in a sec. The only place for Chelsea fans... FootballFancast.com Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy and you're listening to Chidge and the boys on the Chelsea Football Fancast. 
total nutters and proper Chelsea. Right, welcome back. I'm Stanford Chidge, and you're listening to the Chelsea Fancast, of course. Uh, now, if you're at a loose end during the week and need some reading material, then you can do no better than going to the uh, Chelsea Fancast website, which is chelseafancast.com, where occasionally there are some superb blogs. We had a great one from uh, from Daniel uh, Juno uh, from Chelsea in Sweden last week uh, on Lewis Baker, and Dean Mears popped a few up there, as well as the wonderful... Uh, Jonathan, also known as at Clitheroe Blue, who put up his usual match previews and reviews. All good stuff. And uh, Alex, of course, Alex Churchill, the girl who likes balls, always puts her reviews up on there too. So do check it out. It's great fun. Everything you ever wanted to know about the Chelsea Fancast is there at that website, ChelseaFancast.com. Now, um, uh, Dan, the thing that really... uh, you know, caught my eye. Um, I mean, actually, the interesting thing, as you well know, because I was talking to you before we went on air, I was incredibly sober before the game. I, I woofed down a very quick pint of uh, Singer beer in the <laughs> Gate 17 bar because I, I managed to miss the pub before getting to the ground. Uh, worse than drinking your own piss, I think, I have to say, about the Singer beer. That was yeah. awful stuff. But, awful uh, stuff. I, I, it meant I was relatively sober, which is an unusual experience for me at a football game. Um so I was able to kind of watch it with a bit more of an educated eye. But the thing that really struck me... Just two me, eyes, I well, suppose, yeah. Well, indeed. Two, two eyes are better than one, mate. Yeah. Uh, four eyes are better than yeah. two, is what I was always told. But the thing that really, really struck me uh, all match was just how amazing N'Golo Kante is. His energy is just, is just peerless. Um, absolutely peerless. And uh, I'm just looking at my script, and I realised I didn't cut and paste in there what I wanted to. And we've got the fabricus thing from last week, but don't let that worry you, chaps. I can wing this. I'll wing it. Mm-hmm. But I just thought his energy was superlative, and the way he was winning the ball and herring up the wing, his quick passing. I mean, all this rubbish that Sarri talked about earlier in the season, saying, "Oh, he can't pass." Absolute rubbish. I thought he was the best. He was the best player on the pitch by a country mile. And we talk about the fact that we have two world class players. Eden Hazard and, and N'Golo Kante. I mean, I tell you what, I look, at, I look at what he does sometimes and I think he is our best player. I mean, he is, he is peerless. And the fact that he's adapted to this role, uh, a new role for him apparently, so well, I think, is just astonishing, mate. Uh, he's one of the worst to describe him. He just, everything about him, as a human, as a footballer, a team of Angola Cantes is what you want. He just he just gets on with it. He's told what to do. He does it. No arguments. No hissy fits. No Paul Pogba haircuts and memes. He's just what you want in your team. A real kind of he's a heartbeat of the team. You see him. I mean, was I think it was did he hit the post in the previous game mm. against Spurs? Didn't yeah. he with that little yeah. flick? He's yeah. coming deep from midfield. Out of Frank Lampard. He's just naturally very turned to football. You know, he turns to playing goal. He playing goal, and he probably become. You know, better than De Gea. I think he's. he's, a, he's I reckon he, he might is, get lobbed a, a you know, fair bit. To be fair, Dan, if he was a goalkeeper. Yeah, yeah, he's, yeah. I think he's brilliant. I just think everything about him is just. He's the epitome of you know. He's, no, he's the anomaly of modern footballer, isn't he? In yeah. terms of his attitude, the way he behaves, everything. I think we're, we're blessed to have him. In fact, it's on a five-year deal. He's the future. Thank, thank goodness. Thank goodness for that. Yeah. He's wonderfully uh, consistent. Yeah, I mean, not that I'm you know want to tell Sarri how to coach, but if. If Sarri could adapt to a four-two-three-one or something like that, just have him sitting next to Jorginho. I mean, that, that's what I would do. But I mean, I'm, I'm not happen. a coach. That's me for another podcast. Gonna, I know, I know, it but ain't I'm going to happen. You know. um, the interesting thing, Jonathan, right. is that 
what it what it says to me, you know, going back to your kind of point earlier, really, you know, Kante seems to be the only one who's genuinely adapted to to what Sarri wants and and how he wants to play, which in a sense seems so typical of Kante, doesn't it? He doesn't argue, he doesn't make a fuss. He 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 feels it's a it, it's a privilege to play for anybody he plays for, actually, let alone Chelsea. Uh, and he and he and he's such a professional. He just does his job. So you know, Sarri says he wants you to do this. No complaints about. Well, actually, mate, I'm the best uh, you know defensive midfielder in the world. So no, you can piss off. No, he's just got on with it and he's taken to it. Why can't the others do that? Why can't they learn from his fantastic no. example? No, indeed, it's a it's a worry, isn't it? Particularly since um, Jorginho is supposed to be was fated by uh, courted, I should say, by Manchester City and was supposed to be one of the the best players in Italy. Um, and he seems to have uh, we've established uh, to have regressed somewhat. Um, and uh, and similarly, I'm I'm not seeing. Um, uh, um, uh, Rudiger playing as well as he has been in the past. I, it's a it's a kind of malaise with the team. But you see, once again, I, we're talking specifically about the um, the Newcastle game because in the Spurs game we were fantastic. Yeah. So uh, it, it's this chalk and cheese business. It's this 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 bizarre ability to to whether it's an an energy thing or a mentality thing i don't know he said a few times hasn't he sarry it's mentality because after we scored the goal and we were all over them for the first nine minutes against newcastle there was this kind of dip and sarry even mentioned it and i remember thinking at the time come on what's happened we were only one goal up gonna score again against this lot and i mean i've all credit to newcastle in the game i thought they were just going to sit back and park the bus and they didn't. They they went for it, thus making themselves um, more vulnerable. And it was the vulnerability that we we should have um, we should have taken advantage of. Uh, but once again, it's the scoring aspect of it, isn't it? It's it's uh, if we haven't got the the players to to come through to score, um, it, it, it's it, it it's difficult to understand why uh, they're so in and out. And so um, some weeks they seem to apply the Sarismo really, really excellently and press, as in the Spurs game. And sometimes you can't see it happening. And uh, and yet from Kante, there is this great consistency of... Um, I mean, he, as you say, we've got two world-class players. It would be so nice, um, ultimately, to have a few more. to Because I think if we had five world-class players um, and he got everybody else to perform at a terrific Sarismo standard, we'd be, we, we'd be challenging for the title. Um, and I, I, whether he's hoist by his own petard by saying, I'm good at coaching this system and they don't need to buy other players. Um, I think it was very it was pointed out that um, uh, uh, on Twitter, one of the few things that actually made sense to me on Twitter, because uh, Twitter's going mad with idiocy, was um, uh, Pulisic was 58 million. If they get Higuain, he's going to be 30. And if they get this boy Paredes, he's going to be 30 million. Well, you think, why don't you buy a world-class player for 100 million from add those together you think well yeah why don't they get a world-class striker and not care about the other positions and just put the youth through because you know as i say if he gets to me if he had we've got Kante and Hazard if he had and Jorginho if he, if he then improves you've got three you just need two more we'd be we'd be out of this world i really i mean once again i'm i'm, I'm always very optimistic about this whole setup and utterly in despair when we don't play as well as we ought to and yet we win and then twitter just seems to go completely 
downhill with with this this desire for sacking everybody and getting rid of the, of the manager and certain players are useless and you think you haven't got memories the Spurs the performance was fabulous Twitter's such a, a, an unbalanced barometer of football because of something well, yeah, that's yeah. on there I agree but I agree Dan but unfortunately large numbers of if you follow the threads through there large numbers of Chelsea fans uh, accept it as gospel they accept anything that's said on Twitter as the truth and there is so much negativity about it and you go through and you think i've read 2000 tweets here and you know how many people are then going to the pub and agreeing with it and talking about uh, it uh, and it well, creates an uh, unbelievable negativity see that's pub. that's the point jonathan the trouble with twitter is is that yeah. essentially you're doing it in isolation and you're angry and you're pissed off or whatever and and if you're doing it in a pub and, you know, I've been in a pub and I've ranted and been angry, but you've got other people. So you're not going to push the envelope too much because you might get a slap. And also you've got people who can come directly back to you face to face. And that creates a very different, uh, uh, you know, environment. You know, Twitter is basically like an well, echo You might chamber, be feeling that in the first place. Yeah, but well, you, you don't articulate it. You don't articulate it. Yeah, but you don't if that's your real it. feeling about the club. Um, yeah, well, but no, but yeah, but you know, it's an emotional, it's an emotional reaction, isn't it? We're all emotional. I mean, you know, why, why do I, you know, blurt out like I did? Uh, I don't know if it was, yes, it was actually, it was, it was on Saturday. I had a, a, a few random for fuck's sakes and fuck off Jorginho because he kept giving the ball away. Now it doesn't mean I hate him and I think he's completely shit and I want him sacked. But in that moment, I'm emotional and I'm going to blurt something out. Uh, and I think what happens is is that the people blurt this out more freely on Twitter because they don't have a filter, you see, and then they find mad people who agree with them, and that's what happens. Twitter is batshit insane. That's the bottom line. Listen, Jonathan, I'm going to read you something from uh, Sari's uh, post-match presser, actually, which I think underlines exactly what you said. And he said, we started well, but after the goal, we slept for 20 minutes. So by the end of the first half, we were in trouble. And I think that underlines what, what you were saying, and it, it, I can't understand where this complacency comes in. But it certainly does, doesn't it? And then, you know, sure as eggs is eggs. Yeah. Newcastle got galvanised. They they scored from the only way they were probably ever going to score. Although I say that, they had two or three, you know, clear breaks on goal during the match. But they scored a, a set-piece goal, really good header. I mean, can you fault the defence? Possibly. I thought it was a very good, def- you know, very good header from a corner, really. And then they're back in the game, you know. So I just and what I don't get, I mean, you know, I'm going to run, run, run onto this a bit because we do talk about this complacency later, but I'm going to do it now. Um, what I can't understand is, is, you know, why that happens. I mean, is that is that the manager's fault or or is that the player's fault? I mean, loads of passes going astray for the whole match, which I was astonished by. And sometimes, you know, you sometimes watch what's going on. It looks like the Keystone Cops are playing football. And I cannot fathom, fathom it out how they can be like three different sides, if you like, in one game. It just doesn't make any sense. Well, I mean, I mean two, two points. I think the goal was they made a point on TV that Pedro had come off the post, tried to catch people offside. So had he stayed on the post, he probably would have cleared it. But I, I think it's a manager. Because you know, managers essentially coach his team what to do. And they must be able to follow instructions for ninety minutes, and they don't. Or they, they just kind of you know it's so stop start. You know, Conte on the season one we were so well drilled, so disciplined for that season. After you know went back to three at the back. I mean, how often did that we drop drop off in that first season under him? Mourinho, Pete Mourinho, our teams were so organised. They had they had defined roles, and it, levels never dropped. So maybe the players aren't as fit as they have been under previous managers. So I don't know how much fitness training they do. I mean, 
if you know, I don't, I just, I just don't get it. There's something, there's something, there's, maybe it's too many square pegs in round holes, but there's something, you know, as a team, fundamentally wrong at the moment that we're playing like we are. It's absolutely fits and starts. Now, maybe it is fitness. I don't, I don't know. What well, do you think, JK? Oof. So getting their church going. No, no, go on, mate. If you've got something to say, get in there now. No, no, no. I will just can't just repeat the fact that you know we against Spurs, we, we didn't appear to have any problems at all with anything apart yeah. from scoring. You know, it was a the second half was a completely magnificent performance. You know, absolutely stopped them from playing. Though I had a couple of Spurs mates, of course, who said, "Oh no, we did it deliberately. We sucked you in deliberately." No, it, no, not at all. I got, and, I got uh, grief. Even, um, I, Mick got Martin, grief. I got grief yesterday on the radio show for saying that. You know, I can't remember who I said it to you now, but I said that we gave Spurs the. I've said that Spurs might lose against United because they're they are already leggy, and we've made them leggier because we gave them the runaround last week, and we did. Yes, they chased yes. the ball for Completely. ninety minutes, so it's bullshit what your Spurs yes. may say. You no, know, I know, but they 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 have to get in the upper hand, don't they? Because they and they're also saying, "No, we're ahead of you in the league." Yes, Bull. You know, not by much, mate. Show sure us your trophies, Spurs fans. Show sure us your trophies. <laughs> oh God! I think it's. Yeah, I think it's a peculiar world we inhabit. I mean, do you know? Do you know what yeah, really? What really flummoxes me about this? This this mentality? Because maybe it is. Maybe it's not just. I mean, I, I I'll talk about the fitness in a minute. But I think the mentality issue is, you know, quite quite a, a plausible one. What I can't understand is that this is a side, the bulk of which, you know, won a title, uh, you know, having completely arsed it up at the beginning of the season, if you remember, then turned it around against, uh, against well, after the Arsenal match. And they had the mentality to, to be up for it on every match after that and, and, and win the title. So I can't, I can't understand. This is the same players for most of the, most of the side, the same players that won that title a couple of years ago. So I do not get it. Who was, who was in the background, though? Who was in the background? JT. Not playing the JT. Thank you very much. Where's our JT now? Where's yeah. our Where's our captain? Where's our Where's our leader? Where's yeah. you know Where's a pull up by the scruff of the neck? I'm sure JT off behind the scenes was doing you know a hell of a lot to keep them on their toes and you know what it is to be Chelsea, what it is to to win stuff. And we've got no one doing that now. Mm. I mean, Cahill's not involved. Louise is not you know vocal. Asby's not vocal. There's no one. You don't hear them shouting. I mean, there, there are times. I'm watching on TV when it really quiet. You didn't hear anyone shouting because not you hear players saying, you know, do this, do that, do this, do that. No leaders in that team at all. Mm. They're point. all very nice. You know, didn't Graham soon has called Arsenal like a team of son-in-laws? And that's kind of what we are. We're a team of, you know, son-in-laws. There's no, there's no nasty tackles. Not that I'm, you know, saying we need nasty tackles. No one's putting their foot in. No one's, you know, no one's, I mean, Louise is strong, but Rondon was rushing him up the whole match. He's dominating here. When you want your centre half to be dominating, there's one striker, four defenders. He should have not got a touch for 90 minutes, and he he, he was dominating them. Mm. Absolutely. I mean, really, really, all right, listen, Rudy, because maybe you know after the Spurs match, he was giving it a little bit, but he doesn't do it enough in the match. He's he's got a bit of an edge to him. I like to see him get more vocal, more kind of involved, because he's the closest we've got to a, a genuine leader. I think. Mm. Well, I, I may. I think that's a good point, actually, about the lack of leadership. I think that's very fair. I also, I do also think that maybe they're tired because I think it's hard. I mean, you know, if you've ever if you've ever started a new job or you get a new boss and he wants you to work in a a, com- a completely different way from the way that you've uh, you know the way the way you've worked before, then it's tiring to to kind of make that change. It really is. And I think also the fact that Sarri tends to play you know a lot of the players most of the games 
that's going to be tiring too. And I'm wondering if this might be, you know, the, what's happened to Jorginho because, you know, he was he was he was awful, frankly, on on Saturday. And I think, you know, if we still had Fabregas uh, sitting on the bench, you know, Sarri would have hooked him, even though he is his love child. He still would have hooked him. It was that bad. Yeah. You know, he was giving the ball away, yeah. passing sideways, backward, backwards. He did, didn't he, Jonathan? But I think the other thing that really intrigued yeah, me... Yeah, I mean, the other thing that really intrigued me about it was that, um, you know, this is what I don't get, because I think... And I, I, I mean, you know, I don't know... Look, I freely admit this. I don't know enough about tactics. I'm not not a UEFA A-carrying coach. But if, if Sarri Ball rests on Jorginho uh, and his ability to make things tick... Surely that includes moving the ball up the pitch quickly. And I see him passing it sideways and backwards a lot when there are opportunities to pass it forwards. But is that also down to the the people in front of him not moving into the right positions, which I I would say is equally plausible because I know those three and I can see that. Uh, Well, early early on in the season, he, he did play very telling balls early on because I remember thinking, blimey, what a great player. Look at those passes he's, those... Those uh, those he's defence splitting passes that he's he's chipping forwards and he seems to have lost that ability recently. Um, uh, he, he, I, that, well, once again, that may that you know it, it may just have been a, it's a one off because I didn't yeah. think he was that bad in the Spurs game. Well, no, then, you exactly, know, so, exactly. But, uh, yeah, yeah, it's bizarre, so, isn't it? I, I, <laughs> look, we're all allowed an off day. I mean, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna kill somebody for that. I mean, Christ, you know, we've done some pretty ropey shows, I'm sure, you know, and I've had bad days at work, Dan. But, you know, it was a shame, wasn't it? Yeah, listen, I think it's difficult. It's it's it's, it's a work in progress, but you know, if you want stuff to work, you've got to have the right tools to do the job. Um also going back to what you're saying about sorry playing the same players, Conte pretty much had the same team all season. Admittedly we didn't have European football, but you know, we, he's limited. He's obviously looking at what they're doing on the training pitch and saying, right, he can do it, he can do it, he can do it, he can do it, but he can't. Moses has not had a look in. You know, would he have done any worse? Would he be better than Aspilicueta for a game or two? I mean, drink water, not got a look in. There's two or three players he's written off straight away. I mean, and then he said, Hudson Adoy is too tired to play a match. He's 18 years old. I mean, seriously. I mean, he, he could have done 17 minutes instead of William. Yeah. For example, just just give you for examples. He's obviously got his his favourites and doesn't like to you know to to and, and as you to say, deal I mean, from those those players. And as you say, that was the same with Conte and it was the same with Mourinho. So maybe I think maybe they're, they're having to press a lot more, and we know that that tires sides out. I mean, look how Spurs historically you know drop off in form by about March because they're knackered with all the pressing. Liverpool were the same. So I I, I think the style of play may be effect, affecting their levels of fatigue as well as the lack of options that he sees. And talking of lack of, lack of options, um, you know, Sarri also talked about uh, Ampadu possibly being an option, although he kind of said he, he needs a lot of training to play that role. But I think he's kind of got it in his head that it's a possibility, even though he said that Ampadu is the you know, replacement for Cahill if he goes. And of course, we're, we're, we're also talked, you know, I don't know anything about these players, but Paredes and Barella, are also possibilities to be an alternative to Jorginho. And I think actually what that tells me, I'm, I'm encouraged by that because we've, we've often criticised Sarri as being somewhat one-dimensional and myopic. But it tells me that he's prepared to accept that his golden child, Jorginho, is not necessarily the answer to every situation. So I'm encouraged by that, Jonathan. No, completely. I, I, don't, I don't think he's the, uh, um, the plan A man that... Uh, 
people would like to uh, to to title him to in, uh, i think he's um um he's a thinker mm. and I th- but i think his main thing is that he wants to play the way that napoli played that worked that works and at the moment we're not doing it it's the 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 newcastle game we seem to stop the pressing completely whereas the pressing worked once well, i keep going back to the spurs game but it worked brilliantly because they were really all on the case they're all following each other and pushing forwards and it stopped Spurs from playing, and they just then had to boot the ball down the pitch to no one. And it um, it, it it seems to be um, a kind of disease that they get. They seem to lose concentration and then just stop playing his way. Um, and once they just pass the ball around from the back, it just becomes uh, meaningless because because the, the defence is already in position, so uh, you're not achieving anything. Um, I suppose the the frustration is that so many people. I mean, even the guy who phoned up on on um, uh, Friday um, at the beginning of the show, uh, he he wanted us to play on the break because he thought it was so much more um, muscular and uh, ultimately um, difficult for other teams to play against if the defence was very strong and you just broke very quickly. Um, and I can understand that because it, it, it has a kind of dynamism that... Um, produces immediate results whereas this is clearly a, a way of playing that takes is taking a lot of time and uh, the very fact that it worked at the beginning of the season always seemed because i think other teams weren't sure what was going on it's maintaining it for the whole season is the difficult thing and getting everybody to just concentrate on doing it it's um it's it's hard but i i have great faith i'll keep going on about this I've got great faith in it. And I know occasionally people get bemused by, as they put it, the tippy-tappy-tippy-tappy, no result. But I honestly think it's because he, he hasn't got somebody in the midfield who can who shoots... Pro- I mean, we thought it was going to be uh, Ross Barkley, but he appears to be... Um, uh, he's just slightly lost something now. He's not getting into position and, and shooting quickly enough. Um, but perhaps it just needs, as we've established, perhaps it needs... Uh, a proper striker and another guy from the midfield with a shot. And this guy Paredes apparently is a, uh, uh, is a is a decent shot from the edge of the area. So perhaps he's a good alternative. Well, we shall see. Um, I mean, one thing I, I will say, <laughs> one thing I will say, Jonathan, is that um, in spite of having no striker, we we did score two cracking goals on Saturday. I thought Pedro yes. Pedro's goal was fantastic. But again, I go back to that. I mean. When was the, the last time we kind of scored what I would call a Sarri-type goal, where, you know, 18, 20, 40 passes, who knows, and they walk the ball into the net? You know, a lot of the goals recently, I mean, Louise has been involved in a lot of them, actually, funny enough, but he picks out a pass, 40 yards, boom, sticks it on a penny, and Pedro, I think, is a superb technician. He put that away beautifully. But obviously, the icing on the cake was uh, was Williams' absolute screamer. It was a beautiful, beautiful, uh, beautiful shot. Uh, but did you realise that's his first league goal since October, which is astonishing? I, I think about William. Let's have a chat about William. You know, I, I think he's a bit like Chelsea at the moment. He's like the curate's egg. You know, he's good in parts, but terrible in others. You know, I mean, it, it, it's very frustrating when you see William has the ability to do that, and then you don't see something like that for ages and ages and ages, Dan. Yeah, he's a very frustrating player. I mean, he just he's he's he is, you know the marmite amongst Chelsea fans, aren't they? You look at. Twitter, I've never, you know, I've never seen such a, you know, a divisive player in terms of, you know, polarizing opinions. On on his day, he's brilliant, but he doesn't. I don't know. He's he's an enigma. 
I mean, that goal was brilliant. You know, the Barcelona game last year when he absolutely was fantastic. He just doesn't seem to do it consistently. I know people, you know, go about Salah this, Salah that, and stats, but you know, his his output is not, you know, doesn't reflect his talent. If that makes sense, he should he, he, he should be. He should, lot, hasn't he, Dan? He has hit the woodwork a lot. Yeah, he's been I mean, there's a shot, I can't remember which game it was, but just went wide the post. I think it was a previous home match when he nearly scored. He's He's got so much talent. Technically, he's brilliant, but just doesn't doesn't quite have the final, enough for the final final third. You know, poor decision-making. But then again, you look at the last two and a half seasons, he's not had a striker to, to aim at either. So that's, you know, maybe another reason because they've had to do it all on themselves because we've relied on, you know, the, the wide players and the attacking players to get goals because neither Morata nor Giroud, since Costa, you know, have stood up Stuff and be counted. Listen, Mourinho, uh, Conte, Sarri—they all see something in him. So, you know, despite what the idiots on Twitter say, there's enough in there of a player that three top managers rate him to be a you know a first team starter, nearly 300 games for us. So that's that's what that's what, that's what, that's what I think. There you go. That's all I've got to say about that. What about you, yeah. Jonathan? Where do you stand on William? Yeah. Um, uh, he's a fabulous player. Um, he, he he tends to, I just think, lose enthusiasm. And he gets, you know, we can tell when he's substituted and his head goes down. I think he had a hard time of it last year because Conte and he fell out. Um, uh, when he did come on, he, he occasionally looked fantastic. I, I, I suppose what it is, I, I, I want him to be as fabulous as we know he can be. Because he's a world-class player, but he, he doesn't exhibit it. He kind of veers into being a world-class player and then being very average. Um, uh, and uh, perhaps he should try the kind of shot that he scored with even more, um, because that was a completely fabulous goal. Uh, and um, he he hits the first man a lot. And the other frustrating thing about him at the moment is he, they keep getting him to take corners and he can't do it. Uh, and the, the corner taking and the set pieces and the, is just is weird within this, this Sarri environment. I don't quite get it. So he doesn't endear himself to people by taking a corner that goes, you know, is a daisy cut or hits the, hits the defender's shin. Or, and some of his free kicks recently haven't had the same accuracy or class that he had under the, um, in the Mourinho um, and his Cerebralis year where he was outstanding, wasn't he? Um, I mean, not that we should be judging a player on his abilities from two years ago, but um, I'd, I'd just like, I'd like him to be a more consistent performer, um, uh, which he isn't. He just seems to, to phase in and out of games. But um, once again, perhaps it's the occasion, which is very unprofessional, but he... he he was very good against Spurs, so uh, I'm, I'm, uh, I, I get, I just get confused as to why top professionals should only want to play against the uh, the better clubs, and then suddenly against Newcastle, he shows a side of him that we know exists mm. but hasn't been seen that much recently. And, and that's no, sh- he's very very frustrated, and, and that's a huge shame, isn't it? Because when you when you see him score a goal like yeah. that, there are very few people in the side who can do that. And and it's it, that's one of the moments you go to football for when you see something like that. And I had a wonderful view of it from where I sit. You just love it. That's why you go in a sense. We'll get onto that later. But before we do, I mean, yes. the, as I said earlier on it in the was a fabulous, sorry, Jonathan, go fabulous on. Goal. Fabulous goal, yeah, absolutely. It was a fabulous, fabulous, fabulous goal. It's a, a joyous thing when that happens. You just go, oh wow, what a 
what a great finish. Well, brilliant. Yeah. Mm, they yeah. were. Um, there seems to be, I was, saying, you know, I was saying this in the intro, there seems to be a weird kind of disconnect, really, I think, between the reality of what's going on and how people, I think, generally feel about it. Because, I mean, even even level-headed people like our, our dear mate Tony, who, if he's in here, um, I think he was earlier. I hope you're feeling better, mate, because you're on the show next week. Uh, anyway, was it, no, the 20th, yeah, I don't know, I can't can't remember, maybe next week, maybe the week after, whatever. Anyway you know he's really bored of it and i mean that was really interesting actually i was watching uh excuse me a sunday supplement and they had uh they had uh, uh amongst others dom fifield on and i like dom dom's a good good lad and and covers chelsea but there's they've got a feeling that, that a lot of people are really you know bored with it they find it all a bit turgid there's a lot of passing with no end product um and you know the reality is, is that we've, we're going through a bit of a transformation at the a transition period, certainly with the new manager trying to play a new way. Uh, he had no time uh, in the summer to recruit. You know, he pretty much came in right at the start of the season. So he's not had a chance to get players in who he knows who can deliver his system. So he's trying to, you know, work with what he's got to a degree. Um and you know, we, we, I think maybe we just spoil. Maybe we, we, you know, Conte comes in, wins the title. Jose comes in, wins the title. Maybe we think that's how it's supposed to happen. But I, I remember talking to a lot of people before the season started, and we were all a bit trepidatious about it. And the expectations were, well, you know, obviously we know because the club needs to get into uh, uh, the Champions League, so you know they've got to finish in the top four. And also, you know, a, a tilt at a trophy and that, and some progression, and that would be okay. And the reality is, chaps, is we're fourth, as I said. Uh, we're, we're six clear of Arsenal and Man United. And at this stage of the season, the season, that's not... It's catchable, but I'd rather be six ahead than six behind. And we're only one behind Spurs, who are in third, and only three behind City, and who, who are in second. So, you know, the reality is, actually, this is not bad at all. But it does feel... A bit meh, doesn't it? And I, I cannot understand it. I mean, is it is it a poor ex- execution of Cerismo? Is it the lack of the striker? What is it that's bugging people, Jonathan? Um, I think it's 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 the fact there aren't enough goals. Um, I think it boils down to that. It's as simple as that. I think it, it wouldn't matter. It wouldn't matter how many tippy taps you had if the ball ultimately was. Um, was put into a position where it was whipped into the penalty area and the striker got it in the net. Um, and a midfield player ha- had shots because we don't seem to shoot enough. And when we do shoot, uh, um, it's really rather disastrous. I think it's it's high and wide and mighty, which we don't really want to see. So I think if there was um, a player who could, who could do that, and as I say, it's supposed to be Ross Barkley with his shots from a distance, but he seems now to hit the player every time. And he seems to be a quarter of the player he was um, halfway through this half of the season. Um, but I, I, I think it's as simple as that. You just need a charismatic centre-forward who scores and uh, somebody from the midfield who scores. And I think everybody wouldn't be complaining. They would see the... the, the um, the efficiency, the efficiency of the uh, of the way they're trying to get the ball um, into positions to uh, to thwart the opposition's um, big block behind the ball. You know, I, I think it's as simple as that, personally. But because there's no end result, people people are finding fault with it. Dan, uh, massive disconnect between the players and the fans as well. There's no one. There's no one to really, you know, 
there's no there's no spine there's no JT there's no Lampard there's none of those players that you know the last generation grew up worshipping who know would roll up their sleeves and go into war for us we haven't got that I think it's a real you know massive disconnect between the you know the current squad and the fans and that's also an issue you know hardly any players have got songs now have they you know the the Williams song has it occasionally I think that's it there's just it's it's a very hard it's very hard to love this team if that makes sense mm. not not for the football necessarily but just for the you know the, the desire they show because all you want is players to put 100% week in week out and some of the, the stuff has been you know turgid let's admit we're fourth we're doing as well as we expected if you look at our average league position for the last five six years we are where we are we're, we're average position is fourth since the Champions League win so kind of thinking we are probably organically where we should be given our, our league performances and, and Dan, 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 I think that, that's a you that, know that also makes sense because you know whether people like it or not you know money tends to dictate where you finish apart from the anomalies like Leicester who got lucky in a season yeah. where everybody was screwing up and Spurs who much as I hate to admit it but to their credit tend to punch above their spending power so you know if you've got you've got I mean Man United are screwing up this year but if you had the league table every year, it would be Man United would win it, City would be uh, second, and then it would be a toss-up between us and Liverpool, who was third, because we've got about the same kind of earning yeah. capacity. So that does make a difference. And I think that's interesting, isn't it, that you say that, that since the Champions League win, we our average position is fourth, because you know that also coincides with City coming onto the scene, I think, in terms of their spending power, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, they they saw 2010 when they brought in Yaya Torre, but really from then they kicked on, they won the league. We've, we've uh, I think you look at, you know, it's in this, is, it could be a whole new podcast. We haven't really kicked on since 2012. Mm. You know, we managed to get Hazard, Oscar, players like that, and we haven't really replaced them. We've bought, we've got, we've lost world class players, they've retired or left, and we've replaced them with bang average players on the whole. We are where we are because. They haven't invested properly in the squad. You know, yes, yes, they've spent money, but they've spent 90 million on Drinkwater, Bakayoko, and whoever, and they could have bought Paul Pog for Mourinho three years ago when he asked for him. And then mm. threw his toys out the pram, he didn't get him, and it's all gone downhill. So what you're that's saying... Our, that's our issue. What, what you're saying is it's, dis- it's displaced frustration. So basically the, the, the feeling of yeah. meh is actually really because we're frustrated at what's happening at the club which is, you know, seeing us not buy the kind of players that we were buying and not, you know, that kind of thing. And I think there's, there's, there's some, there's some yeah. truth to that. What I don't understand, Jonathan, is the, the complete lack of patience. Uh, you know, look, we don't know. Sarri, Sarri may, may end up, I mean, the, 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 in the final analysis, Sarri may end up being another AVB or Scolari and Roman may sack him and it may all go utterly pear-shaped. But I think, you know, wh- wh- where's the patience you know, to, to actually at least give them a season to see if there's some progression. And I, I wonder if that's kind of, you know, learnt behaviour from the top because, you know, Roman historically pulls his trigger finger relatively quickly. So I think, I wonder if there's also an expectation, well, if we don't win anything, if we, look, if we play shit for one game, then clearly the manager's going to go. And I think that that feeds into the supporters in a sense. There's no patience, mate. You know, I... I agree with you completely. I think it's the the um, the expectation uh, is absolutely enormous that we will be competing for a top three um, position every year. And to some extent, you can understand it. I think some supporters have come in thinking, "Well, I support this team because they're they're one of the best in the in the league and possibly in Europe, and they want to have that maintained." 
and whether that that does their status within their friends good and they then don't like to have to go to to, to the office to be uh, gloated at by teams that they were normally used to to beating easily yeah, i mean that gloating doesn't work for me because you know you only gloat into the, the season when you win something you don't win something you know spurs can gloat all they want but they've won one trophy in 12 years so you know mm. oh we beat you 3-1 well yeah well we've won three titles you know Completely, where's your argument but, but it, it, we have to remember that we are much older than than lots of the 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 people who are I mean, are criticizing the team who are in their 20s who yeah. are expecting constant success for generation win aren't they their generation win yeah. I mean, my, yeah. my biggest argument is with the club is they are so passive when it comes to comments they just came out oh, and just occasionally said something you know really positive listen Maritz is going to get time you know he's going to get this going to get that and that's it they are so I don't expect them to comment on every single transfer speculation, but when it comes to sort of management, they need to be more aggressive in the in the way they, they deal with stuff. Just come out and say, right, Maurizio's got a project. Like AVB was never publicly backed, despite the fact him saying in press conferences, you know, I'm, I've got the backing on a project. No one came out and said, you know what, AVB, we're behind you. They, they ended up, you know, taking the taking the easy route and sacking him when he was doing what but he was I'd trying to. Think, I think I think AVB was sacked also because the players. Our mass went to Roman, and he respected them because they were the same players who'd won him two titles. Yeah, and I think this is a very different setup. Well, yeah, well, there's no, there's and the I, same. I, I do get the impression that um, uh, they'll back Sarri. Um, well, you say that even. we're halfway through the window; they haven't bought anyone who oh, can actually play. You would have thought. Well, no, but I, I, sorry, I, no, no, John, let me finish, please. No, no, let me finish. Okay, you you were talking about a club, Liverpool last season. Signed Virgil Van Dyke on January the first at a minute past midnight. He yeah. was announced. Yeah. So that don't you, that is what you want. You 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 see a, a, a problem, you fix it straight away. With fourteenth of um, January, wherever date it is, we've got Spurs in a week, and we haven't bought anyone. We bought some. We've loaned to back to Dortmund. That's frustrating. I mean, listen, the the, the money that you read. There's a um, something on Twitter about the money that Chelsea are bringing in and stuff. I think it was the Swiss something or other. Sake of five million on a player, or eight million, it's ball. It's, it's coming third or fourth. Go, go out, get the player silent, get it done. Don't piss about for the sake of a couple of million quid. But I think the people that they're looking at at the moment, if, if it's Higuain who he specifically wants to play for him, um, it's a really difficult negotiation. Yeah, oh yeah, that's that's anomaly because he's he's on loan from A club to B club. Yeah, yeah, so that's one of them. The other one, this Paredes guy, I don't know whether even that that's true. This has just well, been I, via the media. It's all media. So, I mean, I don't want them to comment on speculation. Maybe it may be this someone else, but they what they don't want to do and they've never wanted to do is to pay ridiculous money for people. And Morata, they thought was a decent amount of money. Now they they paid um, was it seventy five thousand for Kepa. And he, he that but at the same time they got thirty was it thirty five yeah. back selling Courtois but he is he uh, there's another person we've forgotten to talk about because actually for me he, he's potentially world class okay yeah but you've got you've got three three world class players so yeah. I agree they should be looking for somebody and we, we actually poo pooed the Van Dyke thing originally didn't we we all went for God's sake seventy five million for him Liverpool have just got, have paid over the top and yet the reality was he's he's held Liverpool's defence together. Now, are there other players that, that, that they might be looking for at the moment? And Jonathan, the difference was also Van Dyke didn't want to play for, for Southampton. Jonathan, yeah. I think that's a really good point, actually. And I think because basically it's no accident that, that Chelsea's football is now being run by the business people. 
you know, getting rid of a director of football or a technical director, I think, was a was a considered move by them because it's all about the business. And actually, the kind of buys that they've been making where they have spashed a lot of cash. I mean, you know, Morata was a record signing. Kepa was a load of money as well. But these guys are young. So what they think about when they, when they spend that kind of money on those kind of players is that they can amortise the cost across the length of their playing time at the club, right? So, you know, that's why they want to buy younger yeah. players and they don't mind spending 50, 60, 70 million on them rather than an old player who they can spend 30, 40 million on, which actually is interesting in, in, in light of uh, Higuain. I heard, I don't know, on the radio, I think that apparently Roman, uh, so how they know that, I don't know, is not necessarily keen on signing Higuain because he is quite old and he's going to be, you know, they're going to have, they don't want to sign him up for a long contract, which is what he'll want, and pay him a lot of, uh, a lot of wages. I hope they do sign Higuain because I think we need a striker and also I can call him Pigwain because he's a bit tubby, which would be quite funny. Anyway, <laughs> uh, moving on. And I can, Sorry, or you on, can mate. call him Chidge. Chidge, oh. you can call him, you can call him Wayne. I, you can call him Wayne. What, why Wayne? What's he a cat? Oh, dear. Because Higuain. Oh, Wayne, Higuain. Yes. Okay, I like it. I like it. Let's move on because I want to wrap this part up soon. Uh, but my, our old mate Stuart Harrington, who uh, down from, uh, you know, the, the Sussex Blues, uh, put up a poll earlier on, which I thought, and he actually tagged me into it. And, and uh, I think it resonates with a lot of what we're saying. And this also feeds into to what a lot of people are saying, which is, you know, it's all boring and it's not very entertaining and meh. But he says, do you go to Chelsea to be, or A, to be entertained, or B, to win? And I can tell you that on his poll, uh, basically, those who want to be entertained is 14%, and those who want to win is 86%. And I think that that has a lot to do with Stuart's natural supporter base, which is about the same age as ours. Uh, and we, we went through a long time supporting Chelsea where we didn't really see them win much. So winning is very important. Um, I mean, I'm going to ask you directly, what do you think? And then I want to open the debate up a bit, because I don't think it's as binary as that. I don't think it ever can be. But, Jonathan, first of all, entertainment or winning? Well, actually, a combination of the two would well, you be can't, great. You can't do I that. I think is, sorry, is capable. You have to go, you have no, to no, go with the binary as a, as a, first. And then, we'll, then we'll open it up. Yeah, go with the binary. I'm going with the, I'm, I'm going with the to win. Yeah, all right. Uh, Dan, win or, win or be entertained? All uh, right. To win. Yeah, so there you go. 100%. Push comes to the shove. And I actually think that there is some sense in that. I think when push comes to, sh- to shove, we would much rather, uh, you know, we go to football to to get that adrenaline rush and that euphoria from seeing our side win. You know, I, I, as I said, I, I wasn't going in those days, but I have mates who were. Jonathan would have been uh, when Jeff Hurst was the manager, when we went something like 19 games without scoring a bloody goal. I mean, you have to question your sanity. Do you remember that, Jonathan? Oh, I don't want to, but yes, I do. Yeah, exactly. But I think, you know, just to open it up a bit, I mean, why do we go to football? I think that's really the question. I, 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 I sit here and I, I would absolutely say, hand on heart, that I don't go for entertainment. You know, I mean, the reason I go to football, effectively, it's, it's pretty simple. I go, I go to support the team that I love. And I go to be there with my friends. It's a bit like it's a bit like going to church. It's my version of church, you know. I go to commune with the people that I love and, and enjoy the day with, you know. I don't. I mean, I like to see Chelsea win, but I don't expect that. And I I don't expect to be entertained. But I'm chuck. You know, I'm, I'm tickled pink when I see something entertaining. So, for example, uh, I was entertained by that goal that Williams scored. 
you know, that was great. I went, I remember that. And I don't remember much about football, as we all know. But I, I will remember that. So I don't think it's it's that simple. I, I mean, you know, that's how, that's why I go. But I mean, Dan, would you concur with that? Is there other things going on for you? Oh, totally. Yes, it's, it's you know, it's pretty much post match, and happy to see a win. I mean, you look at everyone who plays pretty football. Would you sort that night in Munich for pretty football? Nah, not a chance. It's all kind of very. You know, Spurs fans saying we do this, we do that. Yeah, but you won nothing. We're going to look back on some pretty football with all the trophies you won. You know, when you go and see your mates, you know, the cup final, you know, pre-cup final, you know, in Paddington, all those sort of things. Winning trophies—that's what football's all about for me. Yeah. You know, coming second, third, or fourth, not interested. If we don't win the league, it's not a failure, but it's not—it's not. You know, well, you don't a expect good it, season. Though. I mean, you know, me. you'll be grumpy about no. it, but you're not going to say, "Oh, well, I'm not supporting Chelsea anymore." That's the point. No, of course not. I mean, yeah. no, it's like the times when you'd like, you know, we lost the cup final to Arsenal when we could have won the double. That was, that was a foul mood for a couple of days. Yeah, me, like, too. Oh, me too. But it's, right. about, it's about yeah. bragging rights too, isn't it? I think people forget this, uh, yeah. particularly, and I, this is no, I, I don't mean to uh, be rude about anybody who doesn't live in the area and, or in London particularly, but it is about bragging rights because you, you go to work the next day, you've got to face loads of people that might sport Spurs, Spurs or Arsenal or whatever, and lording it over them because you, you win stuff is just a joyous feeling, Jonathan. Well, I mean, we don't really have that so much because we work for ourselves, darling, don't we? Um, all I know is, Chidge, is that if we lose, uh, I am um, not myself for, t- for several days. Well, even if we draw now, I still don't have. When I was when I was younger, if we draw, I was happy because it meant we hadn't lost. But uh, even now, I think there's losing points, and we're too good. So uh, my mood is so influenced by the team that um, um, I mean, I feel. Uh, well, having said that, here am I talking about um, once again the Spurs game, but we lost. But I was I was uplifted by our performance. Part of it, of course, being that there's a second leg coming up. I would have been uh, livid if we'd lost. Um, and that was the end of that because mm. uh, I would then blame the VAR. But we're going to get on to that, aren't we? Um, but, yeah, no, I, 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 I'm. Uh, they have to win. The team has to win. Otherwise, it's uh, it's dismal. Mm. Well, it is, isn't it? I mean, how, Sorry, go on, Dan. I was going to say, how pissed off were we lost to Spurs in the league last season for the first time in nearly 30 years? I mean, that was... One of the worst, worst Chelsea moments for a very long time, losing to those boys, you know, to Spurs. I hope it was awful. So, I mean, I, well, yeah, but we forgot about it after about six pints and a few shots in the yeah. club afters, to be fair. I think the reality is, is that, that you go hoping to see Chelsea win. And you, you, you go hoping to see Chelsea win because of the joy that it gives you when you see it, the excitement you, you get when you see your team win, and the bragging rights. Uh, and, of course, particularly when you win trophies. I think that's all true. I mean, the entertainment... Well, in a sense, for me, that is the entertainment, as as is the pre and the post match. So uh, it's, I'm not a, I'm not a football. Uh, uh, I, can, I always have trouble pronouncing. I'm going to go Alan Brazil now. I'm not going to say atheist. Estheat. Jonathan, is that the right uh, pronunciation? Well, aesthetic. Aest- yeah, uh, and, uh, aesthetic. No, no, not aesthetic. What what would I be if I like aesthetic? An aesthetic. Yeah, whatever. Something like that. I mean, that's I'm not an, I'm not a football <laughs> esthet or whatever it is. You know, I I don't go to to it's, enjoy it's, the beautiful game. It's not like if I want entertainment, then I'll read a book, watch a great television series, go to the cinema, and if it's shit, I'm pissed off that I've wasted loads of money on it. But I don't pay lots of money to go to Chelsea necessarily 
to be entertained. I, and I never have. Maybe it's because we're old and we grew up when Chelsea were far from entertaining and you had to seek your entertainment elsewhere in a sense. I don't know. Anyway, talking of entertainment, Jonathan, it was really interesting to hear you talk about the Spurs match and to say that, you know, you actually felt quite uplifted after watching uh, us lose to Spurs in the Carabao Cup. Obviously a slightly, uh, you know, different uh, situation because, of course, it's effectively it's half time. So, you know, it, it's only halfway through. So even though we lost 1-0, it doesn't feel perhaps as bad. But the performance was excellent. I think that the thing that I would say about this really was that it was ha- not having a striker killed us yet again, didn't it? Oh, completely, completely. Uh, when we were unlucky as well, um, hitting the post. But still, it would have been better to have had more shots on goal. And the bizarre uh, application of the the VAR from a, a strange angle. Um, you know, even match of the day has every offside has a camera that is level with the offside. So for the referees to then use something seen sort of 20 yards away to the left, and they then said, oh, no, it's calibrated. It's all to do with calibration. And you think, but uh, then Sarri showed his straight down the line shot and Kane's offside. So you just think, what are they doing? What amateur night out is this? What They've got to get this right. I mean, I actually preferred the process in the World Cup of the referee stomping over to the, uh, to, to the monitor and looking at that. I thought that was entertaining. And he then sees all the angles and makes the decision. But unfortunately, in this instance, they're allowing the VAR lot to make the decision for the referee who stands rather pathetically with his finger in his ear in the middle of the pitch, which, of course, is absolutely rubbish. It's just not thought through and um, typical of anything to do with referees in this country at the moment. It's uh, um, it, it needs more professional application. Mm. Um, but I, I, how you can't take anything seriously that is at an angle. You have to be down the line where the cameras are. You know, match of the day then showed all these. They were always constantly saying, oh, he's offside. No, he's not offside because they're using the camera. And they, I think they said there wasn't a camera available. Well, how did Sarri get one then? How, and what? why are they using this ridiculous, strange setup? I think it's supposed to be Hawkeye, which is the same as the cricket. But at least Hawkeye, we're in line with the, we're in line with the wickets. We don't look at it from the position as if we're... I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm utterly bemused by that. Mm. I agree, mate. Um, Dan, reality is it's one nil. Uh, how, how do you think? How do you think it's all poised? And, and can we overturn it uh, in, at home in a few weeks? I mean, what I would say, the caveat to that, is that it looks like Kane, looks like Kane's out, which is great news. And Son's obviously going to be at the yeah. Asia Cup. So I think I think Spurs, uh, you know, have got a bit of an injury crisis because they've got a few more players out as well, actually. And I think their form is dipping, having just lost to United. Although to be fair, they battered yeah. they battered United for long parts of that game, but. Um, so how do you see it going down, mate? I think we've got a very, very good chance. We're not under huge pressure. We've got plenty of time. We need to get one goal to start with. So I think if we get the first goal, I think we'll go in and win it. If we concede, and then I think we'll, we'll have trouble because we're struggling to score goals at the moment. So if we, go, if we let a goal in, I think we'll, we'll lose. But if we get the first goal, I think we'll win because we'll pick off on the counter-attack. That's classic. Classic European football, in a sense, in this kind of a leg, isn't it? You it know, is. The first yeah. goal is going to be crucial. I think we'll do it. I think we'll have enough to go through. If they haven't got Kane or Son, they're not going to struggle to get the goals. Because Lorente is a lot more 
you know, he's not very mobile, so to speak. So they don't they don't do crosses as much. I think I listen, I think we've got a really good really good chance to lose to Man City in the final. So, you know, it's good. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. What do you reckon, Jonathan? You, you you agree with that, I presume? Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think we'll win. I'm really, really positive about it. I think without Kane they're they're about, you know, an eighth of the team. Because he really is the focal point. They'll have to play a completely different different style with Lorente because he he relies heavily on. He's like Fellaini. You just have to boot the ball up in the air. That's all he can do really. Um, and to think we almost bought him. I think he asked for a three year deal or something, didn't he? And we refused. Um, but yeah, no, I'm I'm uh, uh, I think we'll win. I'm I'm very positive about it. I think we'll uh, I think we've got their um, I think we've got them actually. We've got the the Indian sign on them. Yeah, well, I think we'll beat him. Let's hope so. I'm looking forward to that. I shall be there uh, on the 24th. I think it is, isn't it? A bloody Thursday. But actually, that suits me, so I'm not grumbling. Yeah. So there you go. Right. Uh, in part three, uh, as I've been telling you uh, for a long, long, long time, uh, we're going to announce the uh, the first winner of the Hyundai Extra Mile competition, and it is Adam Valchak. He's in here tonight. He's also known as Chelsea Valky on Twitter. Uh, and uh, I, I had a chat with him yesterday, recorded it, and uh, we talked about his experiences following Chelsea since the 80s. It's well worth a listen to this, so we'll see you in a minute. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Chidge. JK. In all the years you've been following Chelsea, you hardly ever miss a match, home or away. But how would you feel if you couldn't be there and it's not on TV? Oh, Chidge, I'd be bereft. Inconsolable. The thought of missing my beloved Blue Boys live. <laughs> it's all too much. <laughs> I know, JK, I know. It's all a bit too much, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> well, panic not. NordVPN have come to the rescue. They have? Yep, NordVPN allows us to watch any match, even if it's not on live TV here. They do? Yeah, they do. With just one click, they switch your virtual location to a country which is showing the match, and they act as your cyber bodyguard whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like card details and passwords. Oh, wow, great. Ah, but yeah, I bet that'll cost me a fortune. Actually, JK, it's only the price of a cup of coffee per month, and you can use your account across six devices. It's a bargain, JK. And best of all, no more tears for you. Oh, thank you. Thank you, NordVPN. I'm so happy. I could cry. (laughs) Where do I sign up, Jidge? Well, to get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, and you'll help support the Chelsea Fancast. The link is in the podcast episode description box. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Proper Chelsea! Footballfancast.com 
Welcome back. I'm Stanford Chidge and you're listening to the Chelsea Fancast. And uh, as I said before the break, we've got a cracking interview with uh, Adam Valchak coming up. The Extra Mile is well underway now. Hyundai's season-long competition asking Blues fans to submit their story about why they've gone the Extra Mile to show their support for the club. Every month, this competition will reward the most dedicated fans with club prizes, including match tickets and club merchandise. At the end of the season, one of the monthly winners will win the ultimate prize for any football fan, the opportunity to travel across Europe to watch each of Hyundai's partner clubs in action. Chelsea, AS Roma, Atletico Madrid and Hertha Berlin. The latest winner of Hyundai's The Extra Mile competition is Adam Valchek, a city trader by day but also a committed Blues fan for life, who's gone some lengths in his dedication for the club. We had a chance to talk to Adam about how he won the competition and what he thinks about Chelsea. So it's a massive, massive congratulations and a very warm welcome to the Hyundai Extra Mile competition winner, Adam Valchek. Adam, how are you, mate? Great to talk to you. And good to talk to you as well. Lovely stuff. Now, uh, you were the first kind of lucky winner of the Hyundai Extra Mile competition. So, uh, and of course, everybody probably knows, but you have to kind of submit a story about how you've gone the extra mile in your support of Chelsea, and uh, they picked you out as the winner. So uh, what was your extra mile story? Um, well, I've been going to Chelsea for many years. I started in 1987, and I've been to over a 1,000 matches now. Um, I'm a third-generation Chelsea fan. My granddad followed Chelsea. My dad followed Chelsea. Uh, I've been to over 60 grounds, going to watch Chelsea play home and away and in Europe. So... Um, I think that's why they probably chose me, although there's, I'm sure there's many other fans that can boast the same, especially when we're in the lower leagues. <laughs> so it's kind of like a, a long service and hardship medal. I think it's more the hardship bit, yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. So, I mean, what, what you, I mean, you know, that's great that you... So what, what year did you say you first started supporting Chelsea? So my first game was in February 1987 against Man United and my dad took me as a birthday gift and we drew one all. Um, I think we were quite lucky to even get that. Mickey Hazard scored a penalty. But I'd never heard an atmosphere like that before in my life and when Chelsea scored, um, I actually cried. I cried both with joy and with shock because I've never heard 25,000 people cheer so loudly because it was um, still a big match then as it is now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it is. It's funny enough, Adam, that's pretty much the same kind of time that I first, uh, you know, really started going because I used to live down the road in Lots Road. And, uh, you know, whether you were inside the ground or not, what, what really struck you was just how loud it was. It used to make the back of the hair stand up on... On, on you know on end so that was fantastic so do you come from quite a you said you're a third generation Chelsea fan so all your all your family before you were Chelsea supporters yeah my granddad he moved to the UK after the second world war he served in the Polish army and he was divisioned in the UK and after the second world war ended they gave him basically a free pass to stay in the UK as long as he studied so he went to I think it was Chelsea College then, which was uh, which has now, of course, been turned into luxurious flats. He learned to uh, uh, learn a bit about business. He opened his own deli on the North End Road, and I think those are the days where you weren't allowed to have a shop open past midday or one p.m. on a Saturday. So, as with many people in the local factories, he went to go and watch Chelsea play. And then he suckered my dad into doing it. And then my dad suckered me into doing it. And I'm probably the biggest fan of them all, the biggest loony and probably uh, 
the one that my wife sighs the most about when I go to watch them play. Oh, that's fantastic. Well, you know, you're right, actually, because, of course, that's, that's the roots of football, isn't it? Is that uh, on a Saturday they'd shut the factories at lunchtime and then they'd let all the workers go off and entertain themselves by going to the football. So you're following in a fine tradition. Um, you must have some pretty good memories of supporting Chelsea. I mean, you know, you, you've been there when it wasn't so good right up till now when it's obviously a lot better. But what, what are some of your, your best memories supporting Chelsea? Do you know what? I mean, I remember when I... When I first started going, just seeing Chelsea score a goal felt like being winning a cup because we were so poor when I first started going that if we didn't lose, it was a bonus. And if we won, it was it was just an amazing feeling, especially if it was against one of our big rivals. Um, I think the biggest memory, the first memory that I have of when I noticed that things were changing at the club was when I looked at the internet of the time, BBC CFAX, and saw that we'd signed Mark Hughes and Ruth Hullett. And I thought it was a wind-up. It was on the front page. We weren't on page 312 for once. And going forward, going to the FA Cup final, going to win the FA Cup final, I thought there was, nothing could beat that. Uh, and that, for me, was just a massive massive uh period of our history so important so pivotal yeah it was wasn't it i mean uh the whole kind of you know hoddle revolution really he started it and then getting hullet and then on to viali uh you know and it was just a ma- i remember that time so well and there's a lot of love for that uh for that side it's funny isn't it because we talk about uh this desire to play you know, entertaining, uh, attractive football at the moment, don't we? But actually, that we played some fantastic football in that era, didn't we? Agreed, yeah. It was really good to watch. It was good fun. We probably lost too many games. And I guess what we moan about these days, you could argue, is first world problems. But on the other hand, we want to see our club going forward to be top of the league and build on our past successes. Otherwise, we're just going to turn into a club like Arsenal and just be grateful for finishing in the top six every season. Yeah, well, there there is always that, isn't there? I mean, actually, that's a good point. I mean, you know, uh, I mean, I gather that you uh, you went to the game on Saturday because that that was actually the prize, wasn't it, from from Hyundai? So the the tickets to the match uh, for the Chelsea Newcastle match on Saturday, um, and and it's quite interesting, isn't it? Because the atmosphere is a bit subdued, even though we won two one, saw two cracking goals. Uh, there is a sense, I think, isn't there, that that, that maybe maybe we've been a bit spoiled, to be honest. I think I think that's fair to some extent, but I think that if you're going to just sit on your past successes, then that's a that's a big error. We've seen other clubs do it, and if if you look back in history, you look at a lot of the northern clubs, the likes of uh, your Blackburns, let's say, or even going back to the 30s and 50s, the clubs that succeeded then, they're they're not even in the top two divisions now. Um, we can't be a club like that to just just sits on our laurels. Mm-hmm. Absolutely right. Um, you know, kind of talking of Chelsea, you know, in the past, and of course you're, you know, it must be what, just over 30 years of supporting the club. Um, what, what do you think has been the greatest uh, moment that we've had or, or even Chelsea's greatest achievement? There's there's so many that it's it's very difficult to narrow down. I think the greatest achievement was winning the European Cup. Mm. Um, I was... I was there. I managed to get a ticket. Um, my boss let me off work. I'd spend 800 quid on the plane ticket, but my hotel was only 60 quid. But just 
seeing that goal go in, mm. especially after the heartache from Moscow, it was it was a feeling that I mean I felt like I was going to faint. It's the first, <laughs> it was just something that's that was unbelievable. Um, but apart from that, I would say that that game that um, we had against Liverpool uh, that we won four two. Um, going into the uh, the run where we won in the FA Cup in 1997 is probably my most memorable because 2-0 down at half-time, one stand not even existing. When we went 3-2 up, we we went absolutely crazy. We were in the East Upper. People there, I mean, they, they you never know if they're alive or not. And the bloke <laughs> behind me, his false teeth flew out. No way. His false teeth flew out when we were, and they landed on my shoulder, and we were just going crazy. It was is one of the best experiences ever. And then I'd probably say, I'd probably say that Bolton away game. It was memorable for many reasons. Uh, one of the reasons being uh, that, of course, we won the league, but also I didn't realise there weren't any trains back to London that <laughs> night, and um, it took me about it took me about one and a half days to get back. So that was fun. That I mean, that's that's uh, that's that's very true. I mean, I I wasn't lucky enough to be at the Bolton game, but I, I think that just really you know drums at home, doesn't it? Actually, the lengths that we we're we're all prepared to to go to follow the club and to get to a match. And I mean, spending eight hundred quid to go out to Munich, a lot of money. But you know, the number of trains we've missed and oh, the nightmare journeys. But but we do it, don't we? Because we just love it. I mean, you just can't take it away, can you? It doesn't really get... When, when you win and you see something like that happen, you remember it for life, don't you? You do. You remember the wins because they do make up for some of the awful things we've seen <laughs> in the past, especially our generation, yeah. people like you and me, who, you know, two seasons after I started going, we were relegated. Um I've seen that, and then you get other people go, well, you've had it lucky, son, because I remember in the late 70s, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. So... Um, it does make up for a lot of the pain that we've had in the past as a club. And also, what's what's amazing when you go home and away are the supporters you meet. I think um, most supporters are tainted with the same brush. You know, they're all Neanderthal, Neanderthals and blah, blah, blah. But there's there's a lot of fans out there, really intelligent fans who go home and away. We've got former rugby players. We've got Sir Alex Stewart. I mean, he takes the same tube train yeah. as me into into Fulham Broadway. It's... Uh, it's just an enormous, amazingly diverse support that we have. And I love going, especially to away matches, having a bit of sing-song. Away matches in Europe, it's, it's fantastic, although it doesn't help the bank balance. Uh, no, it doesn't. Or the wife, if you're married, or work when you're taking time off. But I totally agree with you on that. I mean, <laughs> I think that's one of the great things. I don't know, maybe it's just peculiar to Chelsea. I don't know, but I've always felt that too, even back in the day. It's an incredibly diverse and even quirky, you know, uh, support. We've got people from all walks of life uh, and some real characters that follow the club that you do get to know when you when you go home and away, particularly, or as you said, to Europe. You know that you you do bump into these people, and I think that that's what makes it fun. But I think the other thing, the, the kind of point you're making, it's very much like a family. And you know, even just going to the home, uh, you know, home matches, and you go to the same pub with all the same people, and it's and you see the same faces. It's a, there's a real community spirit about it. I think, which is kind of what I love too. So I totally get that point. I agree. Yeah, I think I think Chelsea's quite a unique club, and you won't get too many clubs that take so many away fans to matches in fact I think there was there have been a few matches where we've had nearly as many supporters uh, in the away end as there have been in the home end <laughs> I love the picture of uh, 
Kerry, Kerry, Dick, yeah. Kerry Dixon when he scored against Arsenal just after we'd first gone up, uh, I think in the early 80s. Unfortunately, I was too young to go to that game. And the brilliant picture that uh, was taken, him hitting the ball on the volley, mm-hmm. and you can see him scoring and in the background in the in the Arsenal end, about half the fans jumping up with Chelsea fans. Yeah. It's, just, it's just amazing. But yeah, you're right. The community's there. It's, uh, it is a great club to support. Excellent stuff. Now, there's something a little bird told me was that uh, you collect, uh, you know, many, you know, so many badges as memorabilia and I, I suspect some other stuff too, actually. You know, wh- why did you do that and, and when did it start? Uh, my first ever gift I got from my parents was um, a Chelsea badge which shed, said the shed on it. And after that, I just started collecting, pinning it onto a little Chelsea line that I always took to a game when I was a kid. And eventually that lion was too small for my badge collection. So um, I had to figure ways of storing it, storing all my badges. And then um, once I started living with my girlfriend, who's now my wife, we worked different shifts. So I decided what to do uh, in my spare time. And one of those was to start building up that badge collection. And it grew from just having about 100 to now having nearly... Um, I think it's 3,000. I can't remember now. I can't remember what big figure we're on. Um, and I put them all on my website, which I also did in my spare time, um, which my wife also moaned about me spending too much time on. Um, and I've got my own website called theleftback.co.uk, where they're all they're all up there. Um, and yes, it's uh, it's driven by a passion for Chelsea, and I try and put up images from the past that I find on old copies of Onside, um, anything that I can find that's Chelsea related, um, just to show how much I love the club. And it's not it's not commercial at all. It's just driven for a, through my passion for 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 being at the matches, being there through thick and thick and thin. Hmm. You know what, Adam? That's that's bizarre. It just shows you what a kind of a serendipitous world we all live in at Chelsea. But I know your website. I, I've I've seen it many times in the past, and uh, it's brilliant. And it, exactly for that, because it comes across as you know, this is in a, in a day where everybody's trying to make money out of of whatever they do. It's always come across as this is just somebody who's just absolutely showing their love and fascination for stuff and just puts it out there to share it. So. How how delightful to actually talk to you in person, having having known about this for years. Brilliant stuff, mate. Thank you very much. I, I hope it just doesn't it re- doesn't simply represent me, but hopefully it rep- represents a lot of Chelsea yeah. fans out there for for their real passion for the club as well. It's not just something that's uh, that's for me. It's for all Chelsea fans. Well, I mean, there we go. Born out by the fact that I never knew it was you who was behind it. So I think you, you've totally achieved that that aim, if, <laughs> if that in fact was it. But there you go. Um, kind of, you know, to, wrapping up really. But, um, you know, that we talked about great matches and great moments and why you started it. But um, I'm, 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 I kind of suspect that the answer might be the European Cup. But I, I, I'm going to ask this anyway, which is, you know, of everything that you've been involved with as a Chelsea fan, what have you been most proud of the club about? Oh, do you know, I think I was most proud of having a chairman in Ken Bates who fought for the club, who wasn't there just for the money. Um, he was one of those ones who realised that the big clubs were trying to take a lot of the share away of the spoils from the smaller clubs. And he was one of the few who fought not just for Chelsea, but for other clubs to have 
an equal share of the pot. And I think as a result of having people like Ken Bates backing the club, even though he's not the most popular figure, and I think he's one why Chelsea might not have the best love or, or the press may not love Chelsea so much is that he was very aggressive but he fought for the club and having that kind of passion I think is a good reflection of what Chelsea is like and building that um, building that support for the club is part of the reason why we are where we are now um, and I think a lot of credit should be given to him. That's a that's a really interesting perspective and, and, and a welcome one, actually, I think, Adam, because you're right. I mean, dear old Ken Bates, he doesn't half uh, divide opinion, but there are some truths that need to be remembered. And uh, I think that's a really good point, actually. Uh, he did fight for the club massively. And, of course, he introduced the Chelsea pitch owners, which, uh, you know, saved, uh, saved the club from being bought out by uh, greedy developers. So, you know, there is a side that we should always be very thankful to him for that, isn't there? I agree, and although although I'm quite, I'm looking back at history from maybe 20 years ago. Uh, I don't want to gloss over what's happened recently. I think we shouldn't forget about what's happened in the past. It's not just what's been happening yeah. over the last 15 years. Chelsea has grown gradually, and it's not just however grateful we are of Roman Abramovich's investment. Chelsea, we already won the best clubs in England before Roman Abramovich took over. Um, unlike some other clubs who may be playing in blue and based in Manchester. We didn't become a success overnight. We were already on the way there. Yes, absolutely right. Uh, in other words, we do have history, I think, which is the uh, obvious retort to those who believe that we I don't. I think that's important, yeah. Yeah, absolutely right. Um, listen, Adam, I, you know, before we, we did the interview, you were telling me that, I mean, obviously you've had a season ticket for many, many, many years, um, but actually you gave it up recently. So, you know, this was quite a welcome you know, opportunity, wasn't it, to, to be able to win some match tickets. So you must have been, you know, quite grateful to, to, to have done that, actually, I would have thought, because you don't half miss it when you leave it, if you, if you see what I mean. It's, it is very true, actually. And, you know, I am grateful to have won these two tickets. Um, and I've been quite lucky this season, because actually, having waited for what seems an eternity, my daughter was actually a mascot at one of the Chelsea games. So I got another pair of free tickets there as well, um, including me eating half their... Um, half their burgers um, um, and manage, managing to meet a couple of Chelsea players as well wow. so I've been quite fortuitous but I still have gone managed to get a few tickets for a few matches yeah. I still go to about a third of the matches but did Huddersfield away but um, I was, I was, I've just been a bit lucky this season yeah. so maybe sometimes you make your own luck you yeah. know absolutely right and of course it is it's increasingly hard uh, to get tickets both home and away now. So, I mean, fair play, every opportunity one can do to get that. But it it sounds to me, just having heard your, your history and story of how you've been following the club, that you seem to be a very worthy and deserving recipient of those two Hyundai tickets. So, well done to you, Adam. Thank you very much. And uh, also, Adam, I mean, it's been brilliant, uh, fascinating talking to you about your love for Chelsea and, and what, you know, the, the, the extra mile that you've gone for it. And uh, particularly to find out you're the man behind the left back website. I'm, I'm staggered by that. That's brilliant. Uh, mate, it's been brilliant. I really, really appreciate it. And hopefully uh, if you're at a game, you and I can meet up and have another chat. That'd be great. I appreciate it. That's really nice talking to you. And uh, it's good to hear from another Chelsea fan who's uh, Chelsea through and through. And yeah, I hope to meet you for a decaf skinny latte for a match as well <laughs> you never know your luck Adam that's brilliant great stuff from Adam there uh, what a lovely chap very glad he managed to win so that's fantastic
If you've got a great story to tell of how you've gone the extra mile and want to win tickets as well as other great prizes, simply head to the Extra Mile page on the Hyundai blog to enter into the competition. And good luck, everybody. Yeah, basically, that was great fun. And I think the, the great fun thing about that is that every every winner of the Hyundai Extra Mile competition, um, should they want to, I mean, they don't have to, but the offer's open that they get to do a a little interview which we play out on the fancast so there you go so you can get to be on the fancast as well as getting some match tickets and merch so make sure you go to that link as i said earlier it's on the uh it's on we, we tweeted it out uh at one o'clock today and we put it on our facebook page so go there and then go and put your own entry in uh, on you know how you've gone the extra mile for chelsea now uh, in a minute we're uh, we've got some more emails for jonathan to read out hurrah Fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Up the Chelsea Footballfancast.com. Right, welcome back. I'm Stanford Chidge. This, of course, is the Chelsea Fancast, and uh, it's about this time of the day when Jonathan. Uh, gets to read some emails, and we've got a few crackers for you this week, Jonathan. I'm aware of that. I shall do my best. I can only say, I can only do that. Are you ready? Any time, mate. Thank you. Went a bit quiet. I thought, he's gone. We were waiting. We were waiting patiently (laughs) in anticipation. with bated breath. Indeed, that too. Oh, lovely. Thank you. This is from Simon Crew. Hi, Chidge and the gang. Hope you're all well. I'm just writing to say thank you so much for reading out my mail, homage to JT, on the fancast, as it was most unexpected, and I wore a huge smile on my face for the rest of the day. Chidge, I also wanted to say it was actually very nice to meet you in person for the first time at the Forest game on Saturday, as I was the mod-looking lad at the back of the Harding Upper, who you mentioned on the podcast. We shook hands and you then explained to me you don't normally go through this gate, but your ticket had been screwed up, etc. You then said, nice to meet you and shuffled over to your seat. It's a bit worrying, Chidge. He said shuffled, but never mind. Um, Cheers for taking the time to speak to me, Chidge. I'm also so happy that I can finally tick something off off my lifetime to-do list, which is to have had something read by the living legend that is Jonathan Kidd, (laughs) whose voice I've heard my whole life. Whether it be an advert to a radio, whether it be an advert or a radio performance. Cheers, Jonathan. Lovely. Thank you, mate. Hope to see you all again soon and up the Chelsea. All the best, Simon. Uh, Yeah, that's brilliant, wasn't it? I mean, yeah. I mean, I should explain that because, as you know, I did last week, uh, um, you know, completely separate because I had absolutely no idea. But I did read out. uh, uh, no, I didn't read out the email, but I did mention that you know because basically he's he's got a little maybe a little bit got lost in translation. But uh, um, I thought I had bought my ticket for the FA Cup match, as you do, and uh, my own seat basically, rather than sit with the lovely Dan. So um, I went in through gate seventeen and I wandered up uh, to go and sit in my seat to find two people sitting in front of it, uh, well, sitting in it, in fact. And behind that, in fact, was Simon. I didn't realise it was Simon at the tour, and I, 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 at the time, I referred to him as some young lad with a mod-style haircut, which in fact it was. 
and I and I did. I I said, well, uh, it's not really nice to meet you, and I'm sorry I'm, I can't sit here, which is where I normally sit because I've got to move down there. So that's actually what happened. Um, but I didn't realise it was Simon. You Simon, you should have said it was you. I would have known who you were. But and uh, I agree. Hopefully we will get to meet up in the pub for a beer. It'd be lovely to see you. So there you go. Great little email, Jonathan. Thank you. Oh, yeah, by, nice the, about by the way, oh, uh, the reason Thank I was shuffling was because you have to squeeze past everybody who's sitting down, you see. So it's not not easy to get past everybody where I sit. Oh, OK. I forgive you because okay. I was worried that you were injured or something, you know. So, um, anyway, this email to Russ Saunders. Why do the spuds boo Alonso? Is it over the car thing? I think we should use reverse psychology and start booing him too. Obviously, it would suit some of our sad fan base, but also irritate spuds. I fucking hope he scores the winner in two weeks' time. Yes, yeah, so, <laughs> so do I. I. That's great. I love that, because uh, that's, um, that's their psychology, isn't it, over their use of the, uh, the uh, anti-Semitic name. So, um, yeah, clever. Clever, Russ. Yeah. It is over the car thing. Yeah. Well, it, it, it wasn't until he got a double in their first game at Wembley because they didn't really care about him prior to that. I think it's because he did the double. Cause yes. They, yes. I think that was what really, you know, because well, it, 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 it affects them so, it it, so much, doesn't it, what he did? Yeah, it, and what, it, it works. It clearly works because he's never the same when he's... when he's a, he, The Fulham did it as well and he didn't play very well against them. So um, he seems to be a bit more back to normal. But um, yes, good. Well done, Russ. Very funny. Um, email three, Andy Ike. Chidge, Jonathan and the rest of the crew, it's an honour to finally become a Patreon supporter for the fan cast. I live in San Diego and have been listening since 2015. It's become an integral part of my inevitable battling of traffic in Southern California every Monday stroke Tuesday night. Thank you for always providing such insightful and entertaining content. I find that it strikes a perfect balance between forward thinking and keeping a connection with the club's history. Listening to you all really makes me feel like I have a closer connection to the home Chelsea community in South West Six and is constantly providing a point of context for where the club has come from and where we're going in the years to come. I'll be making my first trip over to London at the end of February for the Brighton match or League Cup final, question mark, on 24th of February and the Spurs match on the 27th of February. I'd love to buy you and any other fancast crew a few pints at the cock to oh. show my appreciation for the countless, for the countless hours, the countless hours of great content you've provided us all over the years. Thanks for everything. Keep up the great work and keep the blue flag flying high. Cheers, Andy Ike. P.S. I was blown away to hear in one of the Love Sports shows you've been to the famous Shakespeare pub in San Diego. It's practically a second home to me and the San Diego Blues. We've even dubbed the part of the bar where they always play the Chelsea match, the Shakespeare Shed End. <laughs> oh, brilliant. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, terrific. Mm. Terrific. That that was great. How lovely well done, to ha- yeah, how lovely to have an email from somebody who just joined Patreon and uh, I will be plugging that in a minute. But Andy, fantastic. And more more to the point, great you're coming over. Uh, please remind me nearer the time. Uh, I have a memory like and a, me, and yeah, me. I have a memory well Andy can just send me a message on Patreon, but I have a memory like a bloody sieve and uh, I'm also finding myself incredibly busy these days. Which is why I owe Alan Rivero a huge apology because Alan, 
Alan, bless his heart, the other week, uh, well, actually, before Christmas, he uh, he sent me a message on Patreon, and uh, I kind of got lost in the miasma of Christmas and New Year, and I was very busy working over that time as well. And then he sent me an email, and I, I, I kind of saw it, and I didn't really digest it, but basically Andy... Um, his lovely wife. He's from he's from uh, he's from San Diego as well, I believe. Uh, but anyway, um, his wife uh, got him some tickets to go and see Chelsea, and he wanted to meet up. He wanted some advice on 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 where to sit, and and he wanted to meet up and buy us lots of drinks and stuff. And I just didn't get round to replying to him. And and I and I checked all my emails today, as I want to do on a Monday morning. And I found it, and I thought, "Oh my God, I didn't get back to him, so I probably missed him, and that's terrible." So I've sent him a message on Patreon, a grovelling apology to say how sorry I am that uh, I just didn't get to it, and uh, therefore didn't get a chance to meet him, which is terrible, Jonathan. I feel awful, mate. No, oh, it's it's easily done, Chidge. We have a lot going on, so uh, don't beat yourself up. Well, mate. I know, but I mean, these people come all the way over from the states. It's lovely to. It's lovely to see him for a pint, you know, and I felt a bit awful. I mean, as it happened, I wasn't around pre-match anyway because I had the Malaysian supporters group uh, to deal with. Must tell everybody out there a funny story because I, I kind of agreed to meet them because they've become affiliate members of the trust. And uh, I thought I'd be meeting one or two of them, you know, and just say hello, la, 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 maybe take them for a drink or something. Anyway, so I agreed to meet them, uh, funny enough, just outside the megastore, don't laugh. And uh, they turned up, there were 23 of them. 23 and uh they all wanted to, to to have to shake my hand which they did and they uh all had pictures taken with me it was bizarre i felt like some z-list celebrity or something anyway I, I showed them to where they they all had tickets for different areas of the ground so i kind of took them to where they had to go in it was very they were lovely fantastic really lo- if you're listening any of you fantastic to meet you all bang sick was their president and manchi i met them both they were great but 23 of them it's crazy jonathan Wow, where did they? Uh, they went to the cock, you say? No, 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 no. They they went straight. <coughs> I met them at the megastore and then showed them in. They wanted to get in there early. Dan, well, it was, you, you said, yeah, yeah. Dan, you might you might say it's a bit of a malaise. Oh, very good, very good. Well, it was a shame you weren't there because, of course, you're the overseas bloody doodah yeah. for the trust. You could have you could have met them and said hello, but never mind. Say lovey, right? So, uh, my apology to Alan. I feel slightly better than I did before, having at least made uh, a Patreon message and an on-air apology. Uh, I, I hope to find out whether I'm absolved of my crime at some date in the future. But uh, talking of Patreon, as we were, both Alan and Andy, who's, who was the last email, they're both on Patreon, and uh, it's very, very simple. If you like what we do, uh, God knows why, but if you do like what we do, then uh, all you have to do is uh, become a Chelsea Fancast patron. And uh, what that does is it helps us, you know, cover the cost, buy us a few beers, really. You know, it all, it all helps. Uh, we do lots and lots of shows, as you know, and uh, we like to, to keep doing them, and it helps. Um, no pressure, really. You can donate whatever you want. You don't have to do- donate anything if you don't want to. There's really no pressure, uh, but just a small amount per month. Uh, a bit like, you know, the fanzine, it's only a pound. You know, we do a few shows a month, so like a dollar each show, whatever. We really don't mind. It's entirely up to you. It's just nice to get some support. And we love you all on Patreon. And I'm very grateful for it. The address is www.patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. Um, the other thing about it, 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 it should. I mean, this is the irony. It should carry with it a few advantages like getting hold of me. So if you're coming down for a beer, 
I'll at least see it and do it. Although with Adam, I completely screwed that up. But generally, I'm pretty good at responding to Patreon messages. If you want to send, you know, rather than sending an email, if you want to send a message there to get it read out by Jonathan, again, Patreon's a good way to do that. If you want to hear about things like the Kerry Dixon banner first, uh, we're also thinking of getting the, you know, getting the T-shirts back online. So all these kind of things you will tend to get to know first if you're on there. That's part of the thing of you know being on it. You're our hardcore supporters, and we love you for it. So there you go. Right, uh, we mentioned the trust a minute ago. My duties meeting the Malaysia supporters group on Saturday. Uh, basically, join it. Join the trust. Get your voice heard by the club. It's free to join up to be a member. But if you want to have a badge and you want to be able to vote and attend meetings, then it's five quid a year. Uh, and you can sign up at chelseasupporterstrust.com, uh, and that means you can attend the meetings, come to any events that we have, and vote on the issues that affect you at the elections, and get your voice heard. You can follow them on Twitter, at Chelsea S Trust, and you are probably aware, I would hope, that we put out a statement uh, on Friday um, about the uh, FA Cup kickoff time for the... Uh, the What is it? It's the 27th, isn't it, uh, chaps? It is, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, six o'clock. Yeah, Sunday, twenty seventh. Yeah, we stuck out a statement about that, which uh, seems to have gone down very well. But we're absolutely fed up to the back teeth of the broadcasters dictating stupid times for kickoffs. And given that, um, given that, uh, so many uh, young fans, you know, kids go to their first game, you know, because the tickets are cheaper for the FA Cup, it's easier to get to those games and the Premier League games. Considering you've got all of those kind of people coming, to have it at six o'clock on a Sunday is criminal, in my view. So there you go. So there you go. Um, Dean mentions uh, the Mini Kerry Dixon banners. And uh, yes, their plans are afoot, uh, Dan. Oh, sorry, Dean. Uh, their plans are afoot to uh, get a few more of those produced. I'm talking to my American chums who produced them in the first place and, in fact, the big banner. So, yeah, we want to get a few of those. And again, Patreon members will get first shout on those. Okay. Right. Uh, I think the final shout out of this week, or parish notices, as Tony likes to call them is the uh, good old Chelsea pitch owners, of course. So if you want to have a little bit of Chelsea and own it, uh, protect the future of the club, and then go and buy a share in the CPO, the Chelsea pitch owners, who, of course, own the freehold of Stamford Bridge and whose aim it is to ensure that Chelsea will forever play at Stamford Bridge. Uh, to find out how to buy a share, email info at chelseapitchowners.com or check out chelseafc.com <coughs> forward slash fans forward slash Chelsea hyphen pitch hyphen owners and follow them on Twitter at pitch owners and uh, side note on the cpo their agm is on friday the 25th of january so if you're a cpo shareholder go along to the meeting vote before vote there but go it's important that people do right that my friends is all we have time for tonight uh, it's been fun though i've enjoyed it tonight uh will be i've enjoyed it tonight because it's actually gone quite seamless and i say this with full confidence with a few minutes to go and uh the technology has held up and we're getting out before nine all these things are very good. Right. Uh, we will be back uh, next Monday, the 21st of January, to talk about uh, the Arsenal versus Chelsea, uh, a six-pointer if ever there was one match. Yeah, that should be fun. I've just worked out, by the way, um, with Dan before we went on air. I, I'm not going. I didn't, didn't get a ticket. And I've subsequently been offered work by Love Sport to do their, their entire Saturday afternoon following all the games type show. You know the one that we... Phone, uh, get phoned up by occasionally Jonathan after the game yes yes with uh, James uh, thank you for your contribution matey that bloke yeah I'm covering yeah. for him yes yeah and I thought oh that's alright yeah I thought well that's alright because I'll be able to watch the Arsenal game the Arsenal Chelsea game on the TV in the studio everybody's happy 
I've suddenly realised, of course, it's on bloody BT Sport, isn't it? And they don't have BT Sport in the studio. They've only got Sky. Uh, yeah. Um, what will you? What, do you want me to ring you from the uh, from the game? And just I don't give you know, updates? mate. I don't know, mate. I'm, I've I've really norsed it up because I'm going to have to broadcast not knowing what's happening, which makes it twice as bad. Anyway, my own fault for being a pillock. Anyway. Uh, right, next week uh, I will be joined by Jonathan, and if he's fit and well, which I very much hope he is, uh, by the way, Tony, uh, sending you lots of love, hope you are feeling a bit better, but it'll be me, Jonathan, and Tony Glover next Monday. Uh, hopefully before that, I say this every week, I need to ring him up and find out where he is, but we'll hopefully have an issue, an edition of the Kerry Dixon Show with me and Kerry previewing the Chelsea versus, or the Arsenal versus Chelsea match, should I say, uh, and of course, on Friday, don't forget to tune in to Chelsea Fancos on Love Sport Radio between 7 o'clock and 9 p.m. with me, Jonathan, Clayton Beerman, and Aaron Paul. And we will, of course, be previewing the Arsenal versus Chelsea match and talking all things Chelsea. Uh, phone in, join in the show, and debate with us live. The number to call is 0208 758. And Jonathan, we had, some, we, had, we had two callers in the first part last Friday. That's unheard of. And they were English, and they were young. I don't know what was going on. And they, and they were young and really good, and then it was downhill all the way after that. Well, it was just us, wasn't it? I know. I know. It was really weird, actually. We had two early calls, yeah. and then nobody else bloody phoned. None of our Yanks phoned up. I don't know where Dan Burgess was or, 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 or Aurelius 13. All very odd, but never mind. Phone us up. We love, we love it. We love people, uh, you know, basically. Uh, what's, uh, John, John's asked me a question. You want my mobile link, Chidge? I don't know what you mean, John. Hmm. Explain. Anyway, uh, brilliant. So don't forget, tune in to Love Sport, uh, Friday, Friday, 7 o'clock till 9 o'clock. It's on 558 AM. It's on all your digital you know, DAB channels. And, of course, you can listen to it uh, through Radio Player and TuneIn or lovesportradio.com or Alexa, I believe. Uh, oh, I know. John's just asking me for a... John, I'll get fired if I sit there watching the Arsenal-Chelsea game on my phone while I'm broadcasting. But it's a very nice thought, and I really appreciate that. That's very sweet of you. Right, okay. Don't forget the Love Sports show as well as all of our podcasts. This one included are all available uh, as podcasts on ChelseaFanCast.com, Acast, Apple, SoundCloud and Spotify as well as all good podcast distributors and you can follow the show on Twitter at ChelseaFanCast, me at Stanford Chidge, Jonathan at Jonathan Kidd and Dan at DanSilves73 and of course don't forget to check out the website ChelseaFanCast.com Many thanks to the Chelsea Fancast bloggers for their regular content going up during the week Dean Mears has certainly been in the house tonight he writes loads of them, top lad Right, that's it. Boys, been great fun tonight I've really enjoyed it. Well done. Thanks Jonathan no, Thank you mate, fantastic stuff Well Good. done Dan Thank you, Good to Good to be on. Lovely. Well done, Dan. Done a double header, mate. You get a gold medal for that. Well done. Uh, hopefully, I'll catch up with you sooner cool. rather than later. Jonathan, I will see you on Friday. Uh, uh, Mixler people. Yes, uh, yeah. Mixler people, as always, have been above and beyond the call of duty. Have stuck with us uh, the whole show. Fantastic. Lovely to see all of you in there. Recognise so many names now. It's fantastic. Uh, brilliant. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Until then, keep it blue, keep it carefree, and keep it chills. Up the chills! Up the it's the 90th minute all your mates around you've got your mcnuggets share boxes ready to go your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget snatching all three points Perfect. 
Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you.